Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the Bald Face Truth. Welcome into the program. I am Peter Sampson in for Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Hope you're having a great Friday so far. It's a beautiful day outside. Looking forward to the weekend. Tons of sports to get to. A little bit of fallout from that big, big 10 TV deal. Should uh, should the conference start paying their athletes? One uh, premier Big 10 athlete says yes, he thinks that they should. Uh, Urban Meyer has a new gig. Of course he does. And later in the show, I want to talk a little back to school shopping. It's about that time, but I have a little bit of a conundrum that I'm going to need your help with. But of course, I need to start... With the Portland Trailblazers, where else? The news came out yesterday. This even sort of trickled out on Wednesday, but it really broke out yesterday. Reportedly, they're not sending their uh, broadcast crew on the road. Now, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and the initial thought is, well, that's not going to be nearly as good a broadcast as it could be. Despite the uh, ability of the broadcasters, they're all pros. You open yourself up to tech issues. Uh, You're not going to be able to capture that environment as well as you would actually being in the arena. But reportedly, this has gotten even worse. I talked about this on my local show yesterday as it came out. The Trailblazers reportedly only going to send one camera on the road. So not only will the radio play-by-play, television play-by-play be back in Portland watching it off a TV screen, you're only going to have one camera. Now, I assume that that's going to be your traditional semi-overhead at half court panning back and forth. That's the main shot. Okay, that's fine. You can broadcast a game that way. The issue is, how long is it going to be before you have one second left a key out-of-bounds play on the baseline. Who's it off of? We need to have an instant replay. The officials huddle up, watch the replay. And you don't have that. You can't show that to the fans. This is no doubt going to be a problem, even irrespective of the fact that you're getting in the way of your talent. You're not helping them succeed. That's going to be a real, real problem. I don't even know what's next here going to get the do it like baseball in the 1930s just get the plays via telegraph simulate the sound of a swish maybe have that toy the red ball that's connected to a paddle on the string you know you can just simulate dribbling that way this is going to be a disaster if they go through with this and i understand you do want to be cost efficient But I'm telling you, if they go through with this, if they don't walk this back, they're making a huge mistake. And, I mean, the backlash is out there online. Some people are fairly indifferent to it. But for every one comment that I'm seeing that way, I'm seeing literally 100 comments saying this is a joke. 
and it is. This goes well beyond just the obvious challenges, too, and we've seen it. We remember, look, in the NBA bubble, the basketball itself was surprisingly good considering all the challenges that those players went through. The broadcasts were not, and that's not just for the Blazers. That was just league-wide, and we all knew it. We all understood why, so no one was calling out a particular broadcaster for maybe not, you know, riding the emotion of the game or missing a, a, you know, identifying a player, getting a jersey number wrong or who the foul was on because, look, they're not there. We understand it. There's no excuse for that now. In the 2022-23 season, there's no excuse. The Blazers are going to be the only team that is doing that. And uh, I don't remember where I read it. I read a column today, and I wish I could attribute it to someone. I don't recall who, but it was someone who, you know, was a former beat writer who talked about the idea, look, actual relationships are going to suffer. Yes, the Blazers will have their broadcasters on site for the 41 games at Moda Center, but that's not where the magic happens for reporters and broadcasters. That's not where trust and relationships are built to get great stories, get information out of the coaches, out of the players. That happens because you're on the plane, you're eating in the same restaurant, you're checking out the sites at the city. That's where the synergy really happens, and that makes perfect, perfect sense to me, even just playing amateur athletics. You bond on those road trips. Maybe the ones I did weren't cross-country. They were simply cross-state. But I still remember some of those conversations. I remember bonding with the guys. And that makes perfect sense to me. There's no reason for the Trailblazers to do this other than they're cheap and they don't care. That's the bottom line. And we've seen that over and over from this team. And bear in mind, if you're just tuning in right now, you don't know who I am. You don't know what this show is. I'm not some hot take guy. I love the Portland Trailblazers. Okay? I love the Portland Trailblazers. But I'm tired of them doing things like this to the fans. They don't care. They know you'll watch. They know you'll show up. They know that they're the only game in town. It's absurd. Already... They cut off so many people from watching the broadcast at all with the move to Root Sports. And I do need to be clear, too. I I said on the air yesterday, I want to issue a little bit of a correction. I said I had heard that that move was uh, President uh, Dwayne Hankins. uh, He was kind of the brains behind that while he was working under Chris McGowan. I did hear from a pretty knowledgeable source that's not actually the case. So I do want to be clear. I want to correct that maybe he wasn't the brain, brain trust behind that. He wasn't the guy. But ultimately, that move, whoever was the leader of that decision. It shut a lot of people out from watching the games. And then here I am. I say, okay, I'll switch. I'll shell out my 100 bucks a month because I want to watch the Blazers. Now here I am already getting a substandard Root Sports 720p, not even HD, let alone 4K broadcast, broadcast from Seattle, bad station. I'm already getting that. Now, 41 of these games, they're not even going to be there. You're hindering your talent. It's going to affect the product, no matter how good they are. You could take Vin Scully and Chick Chick Hearn and Red Barber and Mel Allen, all of them together. If they have to watch it on a screen, it's going to be a problem. Give me a break. At a certain point, and I don't know if this can be done until a CBA or something, at a certain point... Isn't there a standard for minimum operating costs for a team that can be codified? Can't we just set a minimum standards rule 
for broadcasting an NBA game live. Otherwise, what the hell? Just have a Twitter bot do the play-by-play. Follow the Portland Trailblazers on Twitter, and we'll just give you the play. There you go. That's it. That's all you get. Oh, but but we'll give you adjusted wins above replacement on the screen. That's where we're putting our money. Go to hell. I don't want any of that. I want the talented people that you hired, that you pay a wage to, to be put in a position to succeed so I can kick back, relax, enjoy my team. And, oh, by the way, maybe I'll watch some uh, some advertisements while we're there. Maybe I'll cop a jersey. Maybe I'll go to a game, and you'll get my money. We all want to give you our money. Why are you trying to make it so difficult? This is a simple thing. Why are you getting in the way of yourself? I know. It's Burt Cold. It's Jody Allen. Can we just get rid of these people already? Can you just sell? I made a joke. Boss man Keith, if he ever moves me to 12 to 3, I'm going to spend the first hour of my show just crank calling Burt Cold on the air. So let's make that happen. It's unbelievable. Why does a guy who is just Paul Allen's college roommate have so much control over the fandom of millions of people? If you want proof that life isn't fair and it's just a bunch of chaos that we're all trying to make our way through, the existence of Burt Cold in this franchise should be exhibit number one. Just let these people do their jobs. Let them entertain us. We'll pay you for the privilege and not just a little bit. You will make money hand over fist. I said it yesterday. The biggest asset that the Trailblazers have is not the Moda Center It's not the whole Rose Quarter. It's not having a superstar in Damian Lillard. It's the fan base. It's the relentless optimism of the majority of the fan base. It's the fact that, as much as it pains me to say it, you don't need to build a championship team. If you build a team that wins more games than it loses, is exciting, has some hardworking guys that are good dudes and easy to root for, You will walk home with millions and millions of dollars, and Blazer fans will walk back to their houses with smiles on their faces. Just do it. Stephen Vaughn, I'm not going to let this go. And you shouldn't. Like, this is just, it's embarrassing what it really is because it's just proving that this is a, a minor league organization. And being the only team in the NBA to not send their broadcast team on the road. It's embarrassing. It just, it's terrible. And you've invested this money into a very good broadcasting team. That's the thing. Kevin Calabro, Lamar Hurd, Brick Olsenham, all these people on the TV side, great. Great. on the radio side. Everyone's great. And you're not going to let them be at their best. You're just making it difficult for them. I made the comparison last night. We've all been part of jobs where the bosses make your job that much harder. But you know what? You still do your job because you're good at your job. This is exactly what the Blazers are doing. They're just making it so much more difficult for these broadcasters on the whole season. And it, it just is it's disappointing because as a Blazer fan, as you are, Peter, as I am, you want to see this team succeed, but they keep doing these things that are showing you why you can never put your full trust into the Portland Trailblazer organization. And it's just these little moves, uh, you know, back to back to back that you just, you hate. And you're like, what are they doing? If there's another team in this area, the Portland area, the Blazers would have to be on their game, but they don't have to because they know they're the only you know big time show in town. And it's really hurting the product right now. Yeah. And look, mark my words. If they don't walk this back, and you have plenty of time to walk this back, 
I'm telling you, this entire season, I'm not going to let this go. Yes, John Cazano will be in this seat next week. I have my own drive time show through Portland, and I'm telling you, every away game where there's any sort of issue, and I'm not going to call out the actual people working that. It's not their fault, but where the, oh, a, a, a number got missed, a foul, who committed the foul got missed, and it's not their fault. They're watching it on the monitor. I'm bringing it up citywide in drive time with so many people listening in their cars right now. I'm not going to let people forget that that's the reason that watching those games just because it doesn't even have to be a conscious thing. Oh, oh, I see their, their monitor went out and they're having to win it. They're up on the tightrope right now. That's not fair. It's just not being able to be in the arena and feel that atmosphere. You lose something in the transference and you might not even notice. You might just go like, man, just watching the games is just not as exciting as it used to be. I don't know. It's an above 500 team. I'm just not feeling it. I don't know what it is. You know, you don't want the professionals to make mistakes. And there's going to be times now where there's going to be a foul and it's going to be a question on who it is. But the TV broadcast is going to go away from the actual play, the actual ref. So if Calabro or Heard miss who the foul is on. They would look at the refs. They would see the refs point up the fingers, see yep. what the number is. They're not going to be able to do that now. They, they'll just have to guess and wait until it is you know broadcasted on the broadcast of who made the foul. So there's going to be just slight ticks and slight mistakes that are just maybe it's not going to bother there's the normal viewer, but I think of people that love the Blazers and are really diehard Blazer fans. Like This is going to bother you and bother me all season long just knowing that they are being put in a bad spot uh, not, not to be their best. And that's what I try to do. Like in all my jobs, I try to help people as much as I can and put them in the best spots. And I think as a sports team, we've all learned growing, growing up playing sports, you want to help your teammates out. The Blazers are not helping their teammates out. Right. right. And I'm telling you, the, the main play, the hypothetical play that I keep thinking about is, again, you have that out-of-bounds baseline play at the end of a game, a missed shot. Both teams going for the board. It goes out of bounds. There's just a couple seconds left. You got a tie game. Someone's going to have the ball for the win. And you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs because you don't have a camera shot of it. So while the officials are watching instant replay, you don't get that, oh, okay, it's Blazer ball. And then, of course, a minute later, they the, the officials actually signal it. They're just going to be up in the air. They're not going to know if it was a good call, if it was a bad call, who what the even call actual is. So you can start talking about what kind of out-of-bounds play you're going to run, what you're looking for Portland to do there. There's none of that. They're going to be put in a position just like the fans are where they're wondering what – we don't even know what's happening right now. It's just a minor league move minor league move that's the only way i can relay it is every other team is going to send out their broadcast team the only other team that may not send out uh the broadcast like the radio broadcast is the raptors because of covid type of things but you know every other team in the nba is doing this and the blazers are not and i think for me like it just proves the blazers don't want to be elite and they're just about you know making their money and they know that they have the fans on a hook and they're going to bring it back in whenever they can continue to press them, let them know how you feel. I know that a massive chunk of you is bothered by by this. It's trending on Twitter. I see the comments everywhere that you can talk about this team. The vast majority of people are against this. And again, it's not a situation that you were forced into. COVID, watching bubble ball, we all understood. The broadcasting took a hit, but we got it. And Blazer fans are a forgiving group. And I know you'll forgive the broadcasters. I know you will, and you should because it's not their fault. This is being imposed on them. Let the team know that they are shooting themselves in the foot again, over and over and over. And it's just such a bummer because, man, all summer I've talked about it. We've all talked about it. 
We just want this season to be fun. I don't need the Blazers to get to the Western Conference Finals. I don't even need them to win 50 games. I want to see some good progress. I want to see some health. And I want to see just some entertaining basketball. I want Moda Center to be rocking. I want to be in front of my TV, and I want something that makes me cheer and stands up, even though I'm alone in my living room. We've all had those moments. And you know what? Things are kind of shaking out like we might get some of those moments this year. It could be a pretty fun year. But when you're impacting it, again, that all translates. It's just going to be a little less fun. I'm not letting this go. You shouldn't either. Am I am I crazy that this bothers me this much? 503-417-7575. They're already flying on the team charter plane. They're staying at the team hotel. Yeah, you got to get a couple more rooms. This is not a crew of 30 people that you need to get rooms for. Yeah, you give them a per diem, a little bit of money to eat. It's not a huge amount of money. It's really not. 503-417-7575 on Twitter at Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. I'm going to talk more about this later in the show. We've got a lot of sports to get to. I'm in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. That riff gets me fired up every time. If I get any more fired up, I'm going to shoot through that glass window, so I better be careful. I'm already amped. I don't need that, too. Talking Blazers broadcasting. I'm not going to let this go. It's Because, look, I get decisions. I get bad decisions. I get decisions that are thrust upon you where your only options are a bad decision and another bad decision. This is completely self-inflicted. That's it. It's self-inflicted. And I understand the idea of even if you're preparing the team for sale and you want to cut costs, you need to clean up the books. This isn't where you do it. It's not where you clean up costs. I understand you trim the fat. You maybe look to get a little lean, uh, you know, throughout management, throughout support staff, all those things. You don't hinder the singular lifeline to your fan base. This is how fans that are not in the arena and there's only so many seats there's only so far that people will drive to go to the arena this is how people consume your product and you're willingly hurting it 503-417-7575 let's go to Troutdale Adam has thoughts Adam what do you think man let's pull up Adam here I'm in the same boat as you sitting in traffic uh, sitting in traffic my blood's boiling just thinking about this it's, uh, you know, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. There's just no sense in cutting such minimal costs for, for such a big impact that it's going to have on the fans. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Are, now, I mean, are, are you still going to watch the road games? I'm, see, I'm not to a point where I'm going to skip them. I'm going to watch them. But now that I know this, I'm going to be really cognizant of it. It's going to impact my enjoyment. Oh, 100%. You know, and I, I feel for the broadcasters and uh you know, I, I won't be poking at them too much, but I will be watching it. And, uh, 
you know, I will be calling in, hammering down on the on the organization for doing this when when they make us look bad. I mean, look at we're, we're going to be a laughing stock of the NBA for for the for stupidest reasons you could imagine. Yeah, appreciate the phone call, Adam from Troutdale. Call back anytime. Yeah, I mean that's it's just a minor league move. It's a bush league move. The Trailblazers are profitable. This isn't like an organization that goes, oh, man, (laughs) we lost $26 million last season, you know, because we tanked, no one showed up, we're screwed. That didn't happen. Everything's okay, so let it be okay. And I'm with you. I'm not going to judge the broadcasters here. I'm not going to nitpick them. It's not their fault. And they're, they're pros. I'm not saying there's going to be a tech issue every game. There's going to be a mistake every game because they're pros. But at some point, something is going to happen. And again, if if it's true that there's only one camera traveling on the road, that is nonsense. That is like we're watching every game like it's clips of Bill Russell playing in 1960. You just have one bad shot and that's it. And I swear... Every once in a while, they give you that funky angle for a few minutes. If that's what the camera is, it's like courtside level, panning left and right. I'm going to throw my TV out on the front lawn. I'm going to lose it if it's not at least a conventional shot. And what's next, Peter? Is it Are they going to save money by you know just making sure they go to the best continental breakfasts, the hotels? <laughs> They're going to fly coach. They're going to take the major league. Start uh, taking the train. Yeah, t- take the bus like in major league, the movie. I mean, what, what what's next? You know, if, if they're going to cut costs, just this minimal of cost to bring the broadcast and potentially suffer, you know, problems, right? Like suffer problems for your actual product. Like what is next for the Blazers? And it's just time after time they do these decisions. It just doesn't make any sense. What? They all have to share a jersey. They all have to share a single shower in the locker room. They got reversible jerseys now. They can only use cold water. They got to put a sweater on, you know. We can't, we can't turn up the heat. That's what they'll tell us as we walk into the Moda Center. They check your bag if it's bigger than 14 by 8, and they say if you're cold, put a sweater on. I'm not paying to heat the outdoors. Get scarf giveaways. <laughs> right? I love that. Oh, what a disaster this is. Instead of, you know, no concessions. Just uh, bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You'll be okay. Yeah, bring your own stuff. Oh, my gosh. Blazers, get it together. I want to love you. I want to love you. Some of my greatest sports memories. In fact, the majority of my great sports memories are uh, in the glory days of the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, hell, even to a, just up to a couple years ago, the Western Conference Finals run. But you have the Neil Shea nonsense sweeping all that under the rug for so long. The way you went about your last coaching search. Just bad decisions, playing it soft, the nonsense. and The team is not for sale, even though it is explicitly mentioned in Paul Allen's will. Can we talk about that for a second? Just the fact that this decision is being made by someone who was the owner's sister and the college roommate. Like, if you really sit back and look at it, it's like just picking two random dudes. Like, there's nothing... There's no reason that they deserve to be in charge of this team, truly. And I think they're just holding on for dear life because they like living the high life. I agree with you. Like, I don't know. We don't know much about Jody Allen at all, right? Like, she never speaks. We don't know. Except she likes Speedos, allegedly. And, like, elephant tusks and, you know, all these crazy imported things. But, you know, same with Burt Cold. Like, it seems like Burt Cold just likes to be talked about and be known as, like, you know, the guy who runs the Blazers right now. And... 
how lucky for him that he just knew Paul Allen, right? Like, that was his college roommate. I didn't I, – unfortunately, I didn't have Paul Allen as my college roommate. That would be great. Then I'd be running the Blazers. Like, you're right. It's just two random people that don't really care about the franchise running this franchise and making bad decisions in a community, in a city, and an area that loves this franchise. That's the problem is I think fans love the Blazers so much that we are going to overanalyze every little decision. So when something big like this happens, we're all just going to hate it. Yeah, just unbelievable. <laughs> Chris is in on Twitter. He's sharing more terrible uh, uh, fan experience ideas. You can raise beer prices from 11 to $31. You can put a surcharge on nacho cheese. You could trade Damian Lillard. You could sell parking passes by the quarter instead of for the, by the game. You can charge to use the toilet. You can ban facial hair. You can drug test at the door. You can broadcast on Fubo TV. Hey, oh. <laughs> I love that. They're going to start broadcasting on Twitter spaces. Exactly. And he, he's saying Ripped City Ripped City is about to be known as Ripped Off City. Keep on ranting, Peter. We're all pissed. Different Chris in the Gorge is on Twitter. Nice rant. Keep calling out the Blazers for their poor decision. It shows they aren't willing to give fans the best product possible, and it's embarrassing. And again, look, while I want these games to be – you know, in 4K, considering that is like almost 10-year-old technology it's now. 2022. They're not alone in that regard. It's it's everything put together. It's every choice that they have, they make the poor choice for the fans. It's repeated. It's incessant. And I can't help but think it's intentional. Now, I understand, never attribute to malice, which can be explained by stupidity, but I can't help but think that there's some malice involved here. And they can feel free to correct me anytime. Again, I don't want to think this about you, but all I have to go on is, you know, all this as I wave my hands frantically in the air. Just make the right decision. It's not hard. Well, what should we do? Not change anything? Okay, beautiful. Great. No, no thought. What I'm talking about right now at 3.30 is uh, the upcoming schedule. Damian Lillard's ready. And, man, I'm excited to see Jeremy Grant be the best forward he's played with since LaMarcus Aldridge. And instead, I have to call you out. I don't want to do it. But I'm not going to stop. Because, you know what? Not every fan has a microphone. And people that people that work in the Blazers organization listen to this show. They do. I know they do. I've seen it. And I know that someone is hearing this, and maybe it's not the decision maker, but someone is compiling fan sentiment right now. I guarantee it. Because any big organization, any big business, and for better or worse, that includes your sports teams, a non-passionate, logical, unemotional collection of data is done. Should we do A or should we do B? If we do A and we save this much money, is it worth the backlash that we will somehow quantify as B? So you need to let them know. I'm not going to let it go. Seriously. The average Blazer fan has gotten screwed so much. I mean, and this goes back. Some of this even predates Jody Allen. and Bert, Well, Jody Allen, anyway. It doesn't predate Burt Colt because he doesn't know how to run an NBA franchise. But getting squeezed out on the TV deal, say if you live on the coast, you're in the blackout zone, but you can't get the old NBC Sports Northwest. Finally, that deal's up. 
and uh, we can have something else. And, oh, we're going to put it on this singular streaming service. And, uh, of course, if you do have cable, oh, look, you still, you probably won't get root in certain areas. But at least but at least dudes in Montana can get it. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. And I'm really happy for them. And if you're in Montana and you're a Portland or Eugene or Klamath Falls expat and now you're in Montana and you're trying to stay connected to the Blazers, I'm so happy for you. Meanwhile, thousands and thousands of people in this state got boned. And then the people that said, all right, I'll pony up for an inferior broadcast, they just made it worse for no other reason than to line their hypothetical pockets. And it's not like these savings, it's not like they go into Burt Cold or Jody Allen's pockets that I'm aware of. It's a trust. It's a trust that you're supposed to be heading and explicitly mentioned in that trust is to sell the team. Sell the team. This nonsense saying, well, this might take 20 years. Stop it. That's BS and everyone knows it. No one wants you here. Go away. Go away. Give it to someone that's going to take care of the Portland Trailblazers. Because, again, the most impressive thing I've ever seen from this organization is that they've managed to turn people off from their Portland Trailblazers fandom. If you had told me in 1994 that somehow Blazer fans are going to stop being Blazer fans, I would not have believed you. I, it would be impossible because it was rabid. And the people that are still fans still care that much about this team. But it seems like you're doing everything you can to turn off the average fan, and I'm sick of it. And the important part to note, Peter, and you've talked to people, I've talked to people, for what we understand is the broadcast team was not for this. And I think Correct. the initial part was, well, maybe someone in the broadcast team wanted to do this because of COVID or just concerns. But from what we understand, it was not their idea. It was above their head, and they had no choice about it. They've been told this is what they have to do. And that's just what I've heard from numerous people, not just one person, not two, numerous We've, right. had, we've been out and asking. So I think that's important to note that they don't care what the broadcast team wants. They don't care what the fans want. They're just doing what they want. Yeah, and I need to be delicate in how I put this because, of course, there are no other radio stations than the station you're listening to right now on the BFT radio network. But, I mean, didn't the radio guy, also the radio voice, also have a radio gig that he stepped away from in order to uh, have more time with his family because he has to go on the road? Whoops. Not. I would be heated. I am heated, and I'm heated for him. I'm heated for all of them. Yep. They're not for this. These are professionals. They love the fans. They love being the conduit to fans. It's such a privilege. It's such a privilege, and they know that they're privileged, and to have this impacted for no reason, just some bean counters think it's a good idea, so Burt Cold can go, oh, I saved, I saved 800000 Stop it. Stop it. So keep making your voices heard. Let the Trailblazers know. This just in. Sorry, I'm reading this tweet here. <laughs> Riff City Mike is in. In order to cut costs, the Blazers have decided to make all bench warmers wear the rotation players hand-me-down game shoes. It'll save them at least $6,000. AJ's in. If Paul was around, no way this happens. That's exactly right. Look, Paul Allen... He was a very good owner. He wasn't a perfect owner, but he was a great owner in the way that, like, where he was imperfect, it was that he really loved point guards and would buy a second-round pick. You know what I mean? It wasn't Jerry Jones style. It was like he was really involved. He cared. He loved it. He was passionate. 
and now the 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 shoe has dropped and we're seeing what it's like to have terrible terrible absent out to lunch ownership sell the team sell the team sell the team we'll be back like you could tell the passion he wanted to win Right, and I think yeah. as an owner, that's all you want for your ownership is that they want to win. You could tell how he wanted to win in Seattle with the Seahawks, how he wants to win in Portland. They're willing to spend. As a fan, that's all you can ask for as your owner is that you are passionate and want to win. The, the people in there right now, they don't care. I mean, the story, you know, when the, when they upset the Clippers, remember, and of course, to be fair, you know, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul get hurt. The Blazers don't win that series without that, but they did. And this is a team that was expected to finish in the bottom of the, and you hear the story when they get eliminated, Paul Allen goes in the locker room. He's literally got tears in his eyes talking about how proud he is of those guys for overachieving and just giving everyone a fun season. He cared. And that's what you want. He was willing to spin big if it made sense. And if he could be talked into it, and he often did, (laughs) didn't always work out. Sometimes it did, but he was willing to listen to the experts. He cared. He was always watching, always offering his thoughts. He was willing to have the experts override his decision. And then if he quote unquote meddled again, it was, I'm buying a second round pick and I'm going to take some rando point guard. And when the Blazers got swept by the Pelicans, there's rumors that he wanted to fire everybody. Yeah. Like that's how much he cared. Like. They made the playoffs. They were the three seed, I believe, in the in the Western Conference. He wanted to fire everybody because he wanted to win. They didn't. Exactly. It's it's just a joke what this has come to. 503-417-7575. I'll take your thoughts on that. We will have other topics today. I'm not going to let this go, but I'm not going to beat this horse uh, relentlessly. On the next side, let's talk a little bit of football. Peter Sampson in for Gonzano. It's the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson for John Canzano. This is the bald face truth on the BFT Radio Network. Appreciate you rolling with me on your Friday. Be on the air until 6 o'clock. Here in Portland, I'll give you another hour as the pulse kicks off and runs until 7 p.m. We're going to roll into the weekend, have some fun on a Friday show. Man, last night, fellas, the Seattle Seahawks did not look good against the Chicago Bears. We talked about that that matchup, that game. It's two of the you know worst teams potentially in the NFL. The Seahawks did not look like an NFL franchise. Yeah, it was a toilet bowl last night, wasn't it? And uh, I think right now, if, as if the Seahawks weren't in a, a bad situation, especially at the quarterback spot, now Geno Smith was spotted with uh, an ice bag on his knee. Drew Locke, he uh, he currently has COVID. He hasn't been around the team. So is uh, as if the uh, quarterback situation couldn't get even worse in Seattle. And I think that's the goal. I mean, my take all all the time, like ever since they traded Russell Wilson, my take has been they are tanking. And that's the reason Jimmy Garoppolo is not on the Seattle Seahawks right now because they are trying to lose games this year. And it's the same thing. Um, with other franchises too, who won't sign Jimmy Garoppolo when they clear, like the Falcons. You know, I love Mariota, but it, like Jimmy Garoppolo would be a great quarterback for the Falcons. He'd be a clear upgrade. But Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, alongside you know guys like Will Anderson, Jackson Smith, and Jake, but it's a great draft class next year. And I think Seattle, the mindset is all right. One bad year. And then hopefully we'll have our quarterback for the next 10 years. So I think this is going to be, you know, yesterday was probably a uh, a sample of, of what you're about to get for 17 games if you're a Seahawks fan. And I expect this game, this team, I, I don't know what their over-under is, probably like four and a half. Uh, and I, I think they're, uh, you know, a four or five win team at best. I mean, the weird part is, like, when they did trade Russell Wilson, 
I wonder what they could have gotten for DK Metcalf. Then they went out, they signed with that contract. I mean, what what's the point of having a star receiver if they don't have a quarterback that can get it to you? And like Sean said, it seems like they're trying to not necessarily win, but they're trying to lose and get a better draft pick. So if you're going to hang on to a guy like DK and sign with that contract, why wouldn't you just trade him for some draft picks? We saw Tyreek Hill get traded for, I believe, five draft picks. I know he wouldn't have gotten that much. Devontae Adams was traded for some draft picks. I think Seattle was in a perfect spot to look around the NFL and see who wanted DK Metcalf, add more picks to this team, and really build through the draft like they did when they won the Super Bowl with the Legion of Boom. It was all through the draft is what they did. And I know that Pete Carroll and John Schneider, you know, the track record has gone down a little bit in the draft. But if that's the if that's the route they're going, they should have just done that instead of just hang on to those type of guys. So, I mean, I just think they're going to be in trouble now. You know, Geno Smith... Drew Locke, I mean, what is the ceiling for this team? <laughs> yeah, no, Seven wins? Uh, like, yeah. That's probably the ceiling. There's, I mean, man, uh, there's there's zero chance they get any better than third in their conf. I mean, like Arizona, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. Like, they're, they have a really hard division still. And, no, I think the DK Metcalf thing made sense. Peter and I talked about it on the Pulse um, when that happened. The, I, I think that was an agreement of saying, hey, we're going to pay you a bunch of money deal with this for one year (laughs) and DK Metcalf's young. So I think they want to keep him around and they want him to be the quarterback or the the quarterback, the receiver of the future. And I I think they expect to win as soon as next year, once they get a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, because those guys are studs. Yeah. Uh, So I I think Seattle knows what it's doing. It's similar to what Portland did last year with just one, one season from hell basically. And then hopefully, I mean, Shaden Sharp isn't Bryce Young. Uh, He's not the equivalent, but I think uh, Seattle just wants to land that, that, great quarterback for the future and uh, hopefully that happens after this season. yeah yeah the the dk metcalf extension i mean at the time when you, you we heard the word that some teams were starting to poke around and see if it was available i was really surprised after the the russell wilson trade that they weren't at least saying well what do you got <laughs> you know but uh i think that big contract exactly like sean said what that sim, uh, symbolized to me is we're going to be terrible this year and we're taking a quarterback and it's not going to be a project. We're taking a guy that we expect to be able to plug in pretty quickly. Might be some growing pains there, but you're going to get the ball, but we're, we're, paying you and I don't know that it was necessarily an overpay it might have been a slide overpay but we're going to give you big money because there's going to be a lot of times that you're relatively open you know 30 yards down the field and you're not going to get the ball right I mean the only thing is for me is it's all about value for me you know I try to think of uh you know just how I would want to be a general manager DK being a second round pick the 64th pick you can turn that into a first round pick and a second round pick right I mean and you've got all the value all the production you got from in the first couple of years I think that's where I look well, at it but no, I agree with you guys I think it could be just the fact that you know they think he is that special and they want to build around him uh going forward next season uh and seasons after that Seahawks by the way five and a half over under with oh, I'm taking under, the under on under. that I'm surprised they didn't do that with Tyler Lockett because like if right. we're talking yeah, yeah. about like a great receiver that would be coveted around the league Tyler Lockett's older you know he's been in the league right. for a bit so DK Metcalf at least fits that timeline Tyler Lockett is you know he's someone that played a lot with Russell Wilson he would have been I feel like you know worthy of a, a solid trade trade package back. So I'm surprised that he's still on the Seahawks. Because yeah, that combo is a good combo. It is. To have no quarterbacks to throw to him is insane when you got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Like, you got to have someone that can throw it to him. I wonder – I know Geno Smith had the ice on the leg. It's supposedly not a big deal. But what if that wasn't who, – who's their third stringer? Oh, boy. Of course, I, I oh, can't even uh, identify Jacob their Eason. first stringer. Oh, that's right. It's who? Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason. Oof. Yeah, oof is right. That's what I was supposed to play Seattle into homecoming. the third quarter last night, mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. he, he sat out after halftime, obviously, and then Jacob Eason came in and filled in for him.
Yeah, that's unbelievable. Seattle fans, it's going to be a rough year, man. Rolling with Geno. I don't even know that. I mean, they're both bad. I couldn't even tell you who I would prefer in that duo. I mean, is Geno Smith the right guy, or is he the right guy if you're trying to lose versus Drew Locke? Well, I think Drew Locke's better Yeah, more exciting. So you go with Geno, so you can lose. Who, who's going to sell you tickets? I feel like Drew no one. Locke. No one. Well, they're going to go but Drew Locke. Drew Locke's got a personality. He's young. He's got potential. Like, he's bad right now. I, Geno Smith, man, that guy's been around forever, and he was a, he was a laughing stock when he was on the Jets. I will say this, though. I think if if you're going to go with guys and you're building for seasons after, you these guys are obviously not the franchise quarterbacks. Right. So you're looking to have a backup quarterback. Is Geno Smith a better backup quarterback than Drew Locke because he's a little, probably a little more safe with the ball. Drew Locke is a little reckless. Uh, maybe Geno Smith, the guy, gives us a little more experience right now to make sure if he has to come in in seasons down the road, you feel a little more comfortable with him. I, I don't know. I think they both are terrible. They are. And they both have no <laughs> potential. So I, I would probably go with Drew Locke. I think Sean's right. Uh, but I just the ceiling is so low for both with both those quarterbacks. Who who do you like? So let let's say Seattle uh, has their their pick of quarterbacks. Are you looking at Stroud? Or are you looking at Bright? Who are you looking at if you're, um, if you're the Seahawks? Who's your preference? Man, and I know the correct like, answer is the diamonds. one that's available. But. It's two diamonds to be honest with you. I think you can't go wrong with either. I think Bryce Young is uh you know he's he maybe doesn't fit that NFL frame as much. He's a little bit uh, smaller in size, but. Man, he's he's always been a stud, and you know, like maybe maybe like you look at Bama quarterbacks, there hasn't been a ton of success in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts hasn't necessarily been that amazing. Tua, you know, Mac you're talking Jones. to a guy that's dealt with some Tua pains in myself. <laughs> uh, Mac Jones, I, I mean, I'm not going to be. I'm I thought not... Tua is throwing the best ball in the league right yeah, now. What was that yeah. statement? Yeah. Um, Mike McDaniel's came out and said that Tua is the most accurate thrower of the football he's ever seen. Not the most catchable ball. <laughs> the most catchable ball. It's just that's just like framing. It's very specific. Yeah, no, you're right. Bryce Young, six feet tall. Right. Uh, CJ Stroud listening. Nick, Nick Saban's a quarterback whisperer, but does that translate? to the NFL. Like right. when Nick Saban ships you off, are you as good? Like versus CJ Stroud, I mean Ryan Day is also a quarterback whisperer. You can't go wrong with either. I also look at Tanner McKee, who kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of Justin Herbert a little bit where he's got not that necessarily big body too. Big man. body, Pac twelve guy, not necessarily, you know, killing it in college. Like Justin Herbert was a third team all Pac twelve guy his senior year. But just you know, like he's got the frame, he's got all the intangibles. So Tanner McKee, I think he might be the third guy uh, for right now. But also, are the Seahawks even going to look at a quarterback in the first round? Yes, they're the type of team that does it though. Like yeah, I mean, the third, I can see him trying to get a guy like Willie Anderson. You're going to build around the defense. We're going to continue going with one of these terrible quarterbacks and try to draft another diamond in the rough because. That's how teams have won Super Bowls. Yeah, and I guess that's possible. This might just be us trying to make sense of this whole situation. Yeah, like, of course they're going to be terrible would. and get a quarterback. I would be I would be pretty shocked, though. I really would. Because, I mean, you're going to lock up DK like that. You still got Tyler Lockett. And then what you're going to hand the ball over to Drew Locke next no. year. Yeah, and you look at some of the other really bad teams in the NFL this year, and they have their quarterback. Like, the Bears have Justin Fields. I don't think they're going to be shopping for a quarterback when they have a top-five pick. The Jags have Trevor Lawrence. Like, so some of these other, like the Texans, Davis Mills, maybe. Mm. But, like, those are the other teams that I see as being some of the worst. And some of them have their guys. So those teams are going to want the Will Anderson. And I think that even more proves that the Seahawks will end up with a quarterback. We all know the Jags are going to win the division, so. 
They're going to win the division, you me, say. Me, me as a uh, kind of Jags fan. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but so if you watched that preseason game last night, Seahawks fan, I got bad news for you. Get used to that. All right, we'll go away, come back, and wrap up our number one. I'm Peter Sampson. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. It's the Bald Face Truth Friday edition. Show's sailing along. We are moving quite quickly here. NFL, we are in the preseason, obviously. We're getting ready to uh, kick off the regular season here. And uh, does anyone know where Tom Brady is? Tom Brady, not with the team. It's been more than a week now. He uh, left the team to attend to uh, what's being called a personal matter. This was last Thursday. And, uh, you know, Todd Bowles came out and said, look, this was pre-approved. Everything's fine. There's no emergency or anything like this. But uh, I don't know when he's going to be back. And uh, then he sort of changed that to he'll be back sometime after the Tennessee game, which is this weekend. Might be, yeah, which is uh, Saturday, I believe. It might be Sunday. And now Bowles has changed his answer again to say, I know the precise date that Tom Brady will be back and as I said, it will be after the Tennessee game. This is a, I mean, Brady's a guy who's plugged in. He's a winner. It's kind of interesting. And I get that, you know, extenuating circumstances, it might be something serious. It might be something that's not our business. I'm surprised he's been away from the team this long. Yeah, and it's letting conspiracy theorists go wild right now. I mean, the biggest right. conspiracy right now is that he's going to be on the Masked Singer. Like, there is a legit rumor, and people are starting to believe that he is going to be on the Masked Singer. That's why he's left the training camp to be on that show. And then he's going to come back because he did sign that deal with Fox for when he retires, uh, that he's going to be the number one analyst on the Fox broadcast. And so the show is on Fox, and that's what it's – people are rumored to think that. So I don't know, man. I, th- I think it's more of – like you said, he's such a winner, such a good quarterback. I think it's more that he's just tired of training camp. He's 45. He came back late in the season. He just wants to get the regular season started. And I, I don't have any worries about him. Like when he comes back – if he comes back, I think the Bucks are still going to be awesome. Yeah, the important the important thing is that he gets just enough time to kind of get comfortable with the receivers, establish a little bit of a rhythm, a little bit of a pattern with them, so make sure they're on the same page, so they're not having an Aaron Rodgers situation that he's dealing with his young receivers up in Green Bay right now. I'm not worried. It's just it's very non Tom Brady like. And man, if it's the mass singer, I don't have time. I got to get out in 15 seconds. One of the stupidest inventions ever is that show. I have no interest in it whatsoever. I may or may not rant on that here in just a minute. But for now, our number one is in the books on the bald face truth. B F F T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the Bald Face Truth. Welcome back in. This is the Bald Face Truth. You know, I don't know why people have the desire to watch some dude sing opera dressed up like Gonzo from the Muppets. Oh my gosh! It was this has been model all along. It's terrible. I've never seen it. But just real quickly, during that brief break, I just looked. Who are some of the people that have been revealed this year? Oh, word. Dog the Bounty Hunter dressed up like a 
armadillo, a bipedal armadillo. Boy, can I watch that twice? <laughs> Western civilization is decaying faster than we can fix it. Someday, a future civilization is going to find the digital archive of that, and they're going to think it's some weird mating ritual or something. What in the world were these people doing? I, and you know what the answer is? I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I have a feeling that just some MBAs got in a conference room with some TV executives, and they all just ate a bunch of mushrooms. And about three hours later, they stumbled out with that idea. No, 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 no. We'll get Dog the Bounty Hunter and dress him up like an armadillo. Or we'll get a has-been comedian and just uh, put a big clown head on him. And he'll sing an old pop song from the 80s. People will eat it up. I'm good, man. I'm so good. This is where normally I say, and if you like that, don't be offended. No, 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 no. If you watch that show, I do judge you. I hope neither of you watch that program. No, I don't, but you know what? You sold me on Tom Brady. If Dog the Bounty Hunter is good enough for it, I want to see Tom Brady on that show. I can't imagine what kind of pipes Dog the Bounty Hunter has. What, what did he sing? Like, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Don't Stop Believing. Who Let the Dogs Out? Who Let the Dogs Who Out. Let the dogs out? I feel good. like those shows are dead. Like The the Voice, America's Got Talent, American Idol, Mass Singer, all of those shows. Like yeah. those NBC or ABC, like 8 p.m. weeknight shows. I feel like trash. I was a big fan of, uh, just as a kid, of America's Got Talent. But, man, uh, just as I got older, I just wasn't into it like, at like all. Like, Tom is just too good for this show. Like, he's just way too good. Is this actually happening? Or I know, it's just a rumor. It's a big rumor. You know, so probably not true. Right. But if it is true, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love it. I think it's so funny. I, I cannot get to, you know, if we were to pick an athlete, and, and some athletes do do this. I saw some Eagles uh, player was one of the guys. I think who, Antonio Brown might have done it back in the day. Yeah. who Who's an Makes athlete sense. that we want to do this? My vote is, uh, I don't know what he's calling himself these days. I'm going to say Ron Artest. I want <laughs> Ron Artest to dress up like a bipedal uh, armadillo and, uh, and croon something. I want Boban. Marjanovic. Oh, man, they would get that right off the bat, though. Seven foot yeah. four comes out. And he's he's just know. a friendly giant. Love Boban. Uh, who else would we want to make this happen? Um, Nobody. No nobody. Athletes. Yeah. Tua. That, that's the bottom line. Yeah. He can only project his, his voice accurately for five to seven yards, though. That's the problem. You can't hear, you can't hear him in the back of the room. <laughs> exactly. I can tell you who I don't want on... What what is the masked singer? Yeah. I don't. They all run together. America's Got Talent, American Idol, The Voice, all that. And the thing is, you go back far enough. Like the first season of American Idol, I know is uh, it was in Britain first. Like the first season was very very intriguing as an idea to me. I watched it, and then they brought it back, and I said, "Oh, this is a thing now. I can't get down with this. I don't like the idea of." Taking something as subjective, subjective as music, like what I like, you hate, and what you like, I might like, but he hates. Like, th there's no right or wrong answer. I just hate the concept of D-list celebrities being thrown in our faces like they're 
important. Yeah, that, like, I, that I too. Nobody cares about Dog the Bounty Hunter. Why is he even on TV? He shouldn't be. That's so, I, exactly. Like, not hasn't this guy had enough chances on the boob tube that where it's like, you know who we got to get? And because I imagine this is a network show. This isn't on like HGTV or the Beeson Network or something. This is, I think, NBC. So they got some money. This isn't bottom of the barrel you know, we're we're stretching and like, oh, let's go get, remember that one guy from that one movie or, you know, the where's the beef lady, rest in peace, you know, so, and instead they get a bunch of complete has-beens, just hacks, dog the bounty hunter. I don't even know why that guy exists at all, let alone has appeared on my television, well, not my television, multiple times. Why do they keep pumping that guy's mullet back in my face? Can you imagine the meeting, the, the executive walks in, is like, hey, guys, I got a great star for season four. It's going to kill it. Yeah. Dog, dog the bounty hunter. And then they go, you're a genius, and they hand him literally a big sack of money that has a dollar sign printed yeah. on the side, yeah. and they go, you've done it again. You've done it again, Bob. Jeez. All right, cool, thank you. I'm going to take my millions and go uh, sit on a beach. I have a feeling that... Your generic, general, middle-of-the-road TV executive is not that bright. And I know that that's kind of the, the, the thing in Hollywood. You know, a lot of creative and funny people, they'll rip on them. And I get it because, like, in a way, they're the boss. The talent, we all know the talent, love the talent, and, you know, clap when Dog the Bounty Hunter comes on stage. But it's the executive that puts them there, and you're kind of subservient to them. And so I understand why you'd rip on them, but I don't think it takes a lot of brains to get into producing television. I think it just takes connections and all you have to do is have not even a great idea because most hits, they're not great ideas. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a million other things that are brilliant and also very, very popular. We, you know, we're, we've been kind of in a golden age of TV for 15 to 20 years, but still most of it, if we're being honest, it's crap. And someone is responsible for everything you've sat on your couch and you're holding the, the remote and you're like, I can't believe that this is a thing. And I can't believe this has been on the air for three years. Like, it didn't get canceled after 15 minutes. Someone had that idea. But people watch these shows. Like, you know, it's easy for us to say, like, oh, The Masked Singer's awful. I guarantee you there are so many parents or families that sit around at night, you know, maybe with their kids, and they all watch The Masked Singer, and they think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Like, there is a big audience. Same thing with, like, um... Like shows like Say Yes to the Dress or like what's that a pageant show on TLC? Like there are just certain shows that used to just drive me nuts. But then you have to realize there's a big audience for these shows. Mommy, who's that on the TV? That's Doc the Bounty Hunter, son. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more, Dad. Who's he? He's a guy that pretends to catch criminals and walks around with a mullet and gets all jacked up on, allegedly, and uh, just acts like a fool on television. I think what we've learned is uh, people in high positions, whether it's uh, owner of the Blazers or executives at Fox or NBC, they're not smart. It's, it just goes to show so much of this stuff, it's circumstantial, and it's maybe lightning often doesn't strike twice. Because some of these people, I think maybe they'll get a good idea. They'll have an idea that's a hit, and it's like, you're a genius. We're going to milk your brain for all it's worth, and then you're just pumping out 15 different variations of the next. Because they, they've had the da- the celebrity dancing show. Dance with the Stars. Yeah. In a way, that's even worse than this. I mean, I... I certainly don't need to see celebrities sing. You know what I want to see even less than them singing? Seeing them dance. 
What's next? Celebrity used the restroom? <laughs> it's like eventually they're, it's, they're just scraping the barrel. I can't get down with it. By the way, I did get a quick correction, which uh, sort of lends credence to the the uh, Tom Brady rumor Nick Cody's in. He says, it, uh, isn't it on Fox? Yeah, I noticed you put the, uh, the uh, little disclaimer, isn't it, to make sure that I know that you don't watch the show, Dick. I'm with you. I'm with you. And he is correct. It's on Fox. So d- that's what fuels yeah. the Tom Brady rumor because he just signed that huge deal with Fox. Yeah, to be the analyst when he retires. You know, he can play as long as he wants, but he will be the lead analyst at Fox based off of all the success Peyton Manning's had, Tony Romo's had. Fox is taking the risk of going the Tom Brady route. So Tom, Tom's in charge. And so that's the, that's, that's the rumor right now. Some people think that he's going to do this show to kind of pump up his value on the Fox brand. So when, when NFL comes back and he's on the TV, some of the people, like you said, Sean, that do watch this show will be watching the NFL, and they'll just be more yeah. uh, more attached to Tom Brady. I never got a chance to get my Tom Brady take out. We were uh, tight against time at the end of the hour. I, I think Tom Brady is just sick of training camp. I just think, yeah. uh, you know, and I don't want to be insensitive too. because maybe he is going through, maybe he's not doing Mass Singer, maybe he actually is dealing with something in the family or something. But I, I imagine that he's just sick of training camp. Like he's, what what year is he in? Like in the 20s now yeah. of uh, being in the NFL? Like I don't think he needs training camp anymore. And so when he was retired and uh, was working out an agreement to come back with the Buccaneers and keep playing, like I'm sure it was agreed. Todd Bowles even said like we knew this was going to happen. Like I'm sure there was an agreement of him saying like, yeah, I just don't want to really participate in August. I'll show up late August, and I'll be ready to go for the season. I'll keep myself in shape, but I don't really want to be out in the hot Tampa weather participating in uh, you know, training camp with my young team, guys that are just getting going in the NFL. Like I think Tom Brady, and what other athlete can do that? Like I'm not sure there's any other NFL player that is you know that can slide for of just showing up when uh, right when the season starts, and you can, ex- you can expect big things out of them. I'm just thinking about terrible celebrity shows that are coming like pretty soon we're gonna have jerry springer and paulie shore running a restaurant snooky cooking dinner let's say mass singer comes to you peter They're like hey peter you're gonna join the show we're gonna give you you know a blank check you can fill it out so you're like all right cool i'm gonna sell out what what is what's your costume what are you gonna dress up as <sighs> i'm i i don't think i would do it i i mean i get <laughs> and and i'm being serious and i also fully admit the look everyone's got a price I, i'm not a rich man and so you know like live golf you know i criticize all that sports washing and stuff but also i'm knowing like Hey, if they offered me seventy million dollars to, uh, you know, be the, you know, irreverent voice of live golf on the radio, I'd, I'd probably freaking do it. I would, and that's why it's upsetting that these rich athletes who can afford to have their principles, uh, were still signing on. That being said, I, I don't think I would do it. I'd make a fool of myself. I'm not going to dress up like Gonzo or Fozzie Bear or Snuffleupagus and then belt out some, you know, Joy Division song or something. It's not going to happen. What yeah. are you dressing up as? Ooh, I, uh, yeah, I was thinking more like of a slice of pizza. <laughs> I've had pizza on my mind, so I think maybe like a slice of pizza would be good. Maybe like a sandwich. There you go. I yeah. like that. Rose, maybe a good, uh, a good uh, pastrami yeah. or a corned beef. Yeah, you can see all the toppings on everything. Yeah, I it's like, like a that. Big, thick sandwich. That's good TV. As soon as we go to break, I'm just gonna hand you a bag with a dollar sign printed on it. Yeah, yeah, it's a <laughs> hit, I'm go baby. Buy a pastrami sandwich costume. Come back to the studio. I think if there was a streaming service that could allow us to get rid of all the other channels that don't have live sports. Like, I think all three of us would be signed up for that. I think a large amount of people were. It's just like, all, all we really have these, like, these cable, like, YouTube TV or, like, any, like, cable 
you know, where you get all these channels is because of live sports. You know, I think a, like all three of us and a large people amount of people listening. Um, and we, we could live without all of this other live program programming because so many of these other live shows are so overproduced and so garbage. And the only reason we need, you know, these live subscriptions is for sports. Yeah. I don't know. As long as they don't get rid of the cooking network, man. I love okay. some food porn. Yeah, just sit there and she's like, like, and now can... we're going to deglaze the pan. I'm like, yeah, you deglaze that pan. Let's go. I, I love some things that are on TV too, like that aren't necessarily live. And all those go to like Netflix or whatever other streaming yeah. services you have. Yeah, it's it's true. So much. It, it's interesting. Like uh, my, my smart TV comes with a bunch of... Uh, lower end cable channels is just part of it and uh i i can't even delete the the app and uh every once in a while i'll click on it and see hey what's on and it's the most nonsensical garbage low talent like it's unbelievable that these people are on television let alone again someone got that idea and is directing them to behave it just the premises are ridiculous i can't i can't get down with it and it's getting worse, too. I mean, I guess the, the real answer here is the lowest common denominator wins. Now, Sean, you won't remember when the History Channel was great and showed actual history. Steven, you might. Well, the, remember the, like Court TV? That was the thing. It turned into True TV. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of channels. MTV used to play music. I know. Shocking. MTV yeah. used to be dope, man. And I know, I know part of it was I was a teenager, and it yeah. was marketed directly at me, but it was also actual music. I accidentally turned on MTV. This is probably a decade ago now. I mean, because I, I have no interest in it. And it was nothing but, like... Pregnant 16-year-olds and then other 16-year-olds that were getting a a Ferrari instead of a Lamborghini for their birthday, and so they yell at their dad. And then it's a dating show where the parents have to hate them. And then for some reason, they're still doing MTV Cribs. And then there's a catfishing show. I had no idea what was happening, and I can't believe that the advertising revenue supports this. Ridiculousness. Have you guys seen that show? I've heard of it. There's a few shows I I can't stand more. Yeah, that's uh, Daniel Tosh. Tosh Tosh.0. No, no, worse. Dan- it's it's oh, Tosh.0, really? but worse. Rob Deerdeck right. trying to be a comedian. And, and Tosh.0 was just talk soup with Joe McHale, but worse. Right, right. It's just why I'm going to watch YouTube videos and I'm going to talk about them. Make fun of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is. Sometimes it can be so easy to get a show on TV, I feel like, and we watch it for some reason. I know, man. If it ever doesn't work out for me on the radio, you won't find me in front of a camera, but I'm going to pitch some ideas. I feel like I could get something on there. I don't know what the show would be. I really do like the idea of Pauly Shore and Jerry Springer like running a gas station or uh, seeing if Snooki can uh, clean her house. Like Snooki's a maid now, and she has to uh, maintain a housekeeping service. People would watch that, right? They Probably. watch anything. Yeah. You are right, though, about food, the food channels. It is very seductive. It's pornography. Very seductive. Yeah. yeah I'm going to sprinkle a little well, more spice in there. Similar to your radio style. Hey, you how all, spicy you're, can you get it? You're always giving us food porn. Uh, a little cream fraiche on there. <laughs> there so you hot, go. So hot in the studio. Jeez, Peter. It is, man. Can, can I talk about that, by the way? So we're having this, and I'll be honest, it's an amazing remodel here uh, at Alpha Media, home of 750 The Game, the flagship station here on the BFT. And it looks great. They're doing all this stuff. The, the It's a huge crew here. They're staying out of our way as much as possible. It's really rad. But one thing is uh, just in the last 24 hours, and some of it was today, they've replaced our thermostats. And they're way more fancy looking. It's streamlined. But the studios are warm, man. I, and I know it's warm in there. I was in there, and especially all the rack gear in the room you're in. I need it cold. And uh, on our sister station, Kink, uh, Mitch Elliott from Mitch in the Morning, he came over, and he's like, 
Yeah, okay, you've got one of those too. And I was like, I do. And he's like, is it warm in here? Yeah, it is. And he's like, I need the cold. And I'm the same way because cold keeps you energetic. If it's like 82 degrees in here, I'm going to take a nap on the air. It's really tough. Yeah, is that just because we're older? Like, I feel the same way. If it's a little warm, I'm going to start falling asleep. I got the upper lip sweat going. Yeah. Yeah, I need, I need a little colder here. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with there. you guys. I'm struggling today. I can tell you, I've already, we've already got word in that this needs to be fixed. I need it chilly. I told him I was like, I want it off, and he said, "You want the AC off? No, 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 no. I want the heat completely off. Yeah. Whatever temperature the old thermostat all the way to the left means, I want that as cold as you can get it. Exactly. Because man, yeah, I, I, I dropped the shades, I dropped the blinds down, and they're a little translucent. I turn the lights completely off. I, I keep the AC, no heat. I want it chilly. I want it dark because it forces you to get energized. You know what I mean? There's, there's, you're not absorbing any heat. You're not absorbing any sunlight and getting energized that way. I need to, I need to create it from within. And if I don't have that again, I'm just kind of, oh, it's a nice toasty summer day, a little humid. Maybe just take a little nap here. It's tough. Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, it's a problem today. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what let's we can changed. do. All right. Well, let's take a break. I'm gonna figure out what my. Uh, hit million dollar TV show idea is, but it does involve some version of Snooky, Pauly Shore, and Jerry Springer. Maybe they'll wear a costume. Maybe they won't. That's your message for the day. Just don't watch The Masked Singer. Did you have something, Stephen? Oh, no, I was just going to say, sit in a hot room with a with a costume on. That's all they got to do. Snooky, Jerry Springer, Pauly Shore, sit in the studio with a costume, see how much you sweat. Who sweats the most wins? Actually, okay, I, I think I might have the uh, the number one home run idea. And so it does involve Snooky and Jerry Springer and Dog the Bounty Hunter and his his wife and whatever's going on with her. I, I, I Don't ask me how I know what she looks like. And they all have to compete. Who can go down the the slide in center field in yes. Milwaukee the fastest? Holy crap! Holy crap! My money's on Snooky. Peter Ivers show. How about a wasp that uh you know was <laughs> super accomplished, went out <laughs> went to college, you know, before he got that job, he, he came back and uh, you know, he they threw a big party for him. There's a pu- line of punch. Don't tempt me. Stop. Don't tempt me. There's a segment of the audience that has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Grab the podcast of this show. It was National Tell a Joke Day. That was Wednesday. It might have been Tuesday. I think it was Wednesday. And I told my favorite joke with, and I'm not going to do it again. Don't worry. If you know what I'm saying, don't worry. I'm not going to do it again. But I gave the pre-warning, this is going to really divide people. A lot of people are going to get it and love it. And a lot of you, honestly, are going to be really ticked off. And uh, I was right. A lot of people were ticked off. If you want to hear that joke, I even remember I told it in hour number two, uh, early in the four o'clock hour. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I would say it's not a waste of your time. It's not a waste of your time, but isn't that relative? Leave it here. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with the pulse from six to seven on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. I am Peter Sampson, and for John Canzano, 
He'll be back next week. Just between you and me, though, I'll be in for him on Monday as well. He takes back over Tuesday, and you know he's uh, not going to miss a day after that, most likely, as we roll through Pac-12 football, the NFL, all the reasons that you come to this show throughout uh, the fall, winter. I mean, frankly, year-round. But I appreciate you uh, hanging in, letting me uh, stretch my legs, keep his seat warm. It's always a privilege to jump in and host this show to such a large audience, whether you listen in Portland Uh, The surrounding area, of course, the powerhouse signal, Fox Sports Eugene, down in Eugene, uh, Basin Sports, 960, the Fox Sports affiliate down there in Klamath Falls, and of course, Roseburg, I keep calling them the new edition, but it's been a while since Roseburg's been part of the show. Has it been a year yet? I don't think it's quite been a year, but uh, Roseburg's been around for a while, so uh, I'll still call you new Roseburg, but I promise at some point I will drop that moniker. So... It's no secret I'm a Braves fan, and it pains me to talk about this, but I have to. Because, look, if I'm going to call out athletes for bad behavior, if I'm going to call out Deshaun Watson, if I'm going to call out Antonio Brown, if I'm going to call out all these people, I have to crack my own. And I am tired of Marcel Ozuna's act as a Braves fan. So if you remember last year, last May, I believe it was, Marcelo Zuna was arrested and charged with aggravated battery. And I'll say allegedly, but uh, I mean, the police say they watched him strangle his wife. Let me repeat that. The police saw him strangling his wife. And I was done with Mar- Marcelo Zuna right then. He was suspended, or excuse me, placed on a leave of absence. Uh, by the team and the league, and he missed a uh, great Braves season. And frankly, I was glad that he didn't get to come back. It really helped me enjoy the rest of the Braves' year as they had an improbable run and won the World Series. I didn't miss him. And now he's back, and you go, okay, well, he says he learned his lesson, he apologized, and I don't really want to give second chances. And to be honest, I kind of haven't. I watch a lot of Braves baseball. I'm watching Braves baseball right now on my tablet, actually. And every time he comes up to bat, you know, somewhere between three and five times a game, I think about that every single time. He's part of the team. I can't have him kicked off, but I don't forget that. Well, I came into the station. I'll never, I walked in at 8.58 this morning, and breaking news, Marcel Ozuna has been arrested for DUI. He was driving erratically, he was speeding, and he uh, did not maintain his lane. I believe that is the proper term to say he was swerving around. Now, immediately I was disappointed, and I go, look, man, I mean, first of all, there's just no excuse for drunk driving. There's not. Call an Uber, call a Lyft, call a friend, get a cab. You're, you're, You're rich. You can afford it. And I know an Uber isn't as cheap as it used to be. You can afford it. Hell, if you have to take one of those Lime scooters that's lying around in every major city, pop on one of those. By the way, I've been on one of those after having a couple drinks. It's fun. It's really fun. Granted, I did it at like 3 in the morning. There was no traffic, but it was rad. So the footage of Marcel Ozuna's arrest, or at least the beginning of this interaction, uh, has been released, and uh, it's uh, it's not great. I'm going to go ahead and play that. I 
doing, man? Bow, bow hey. Sorry, sorry. You're good. I'm also pulled down North Cross Police. You yeah, got your yeah, driver's I'm a, license. I'm, a, I'm also from the grave. Sorry, yeah, my dog. That's all right. Hey, the reason I'm stopping you, you're speeding on this road, boss. Really? Yeah, you're going pretty fast. No. You know what the speed limit is? No, bro. 45. Right, so, 45, man, yeah. You also I'm, failed I'm, to maintain your lane when I passed you. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you're passing. Right. Sorry, my man. I appreciate it. Hey. Whose uh, vehicle is this? I'm a bang. That's yours. Let me, let me, let me, let me get so that's Marcelo Zuna. Uh, I mean, obviously, I wasn't there. I don't know to what level he failed his sobriety test. I know English is a second language. He's slurring his words there. And uh, not only that, right off the bat, he drops the do you know who I am. He's holding his ID out of the window. I know you can't see this. As the police officer approaches the vehicle, he's just got his ID out. So you can say, oh, what's up? I'm a big Braves fan, man. And the officer's like, okay, okay, hold on, you know, just chill out. Don't be handing me things. And he goes, I'm Marcelo Zuna from the Braves. He's trying to get over right off the bat. It's a terrible look. As a Braves fan, I'm done with this guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a bad look. It's a bad look for sure. And at the very end there, when he is slurring his words, he goes out and he gives the officer, like, you know, a little a little dap. He daps him up to try to say, hey, oh, what's up, mm-hmm, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to dap you up here. You, know, you could just totally tell. Uh, if you watch the video, that he is pretty gone at that point. Uh, and just learn his words. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, he gets a strict punishment because this is not his first offense, right? Like, I, I'm, there are certain things where people deserve a second chance. I think beating up your wife, strangling your wife is not, not one, one of them. them. Not one of them. But he did get a second chance. And now that he's ruined the second chance, there's got to be some type of strict punishment because I was all about Deshaun Watson getting the year. He didn't get it. And I'm not upset about that. I'll be upset if Marcelo Zuna uh, is probably out there playing baseball this year. Like he shouldn't be out. He shouldn't have this kind of privilege to play uh, major league baseball. Yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, like you, you mentioned that the first offense was bad enough to, um, you know, uh, warrant him not returning to a baseball field. And now he clearly screwed that up. Question for you, Peter is how, how yep. big of a, uh, a player is this for the Braves? Uh, he used to be, honestly, he's mediocre or, or worse at this point. Uh, he can still hit for power. I mean, y- you miss the threat of power. He's not a great player anymore. I mean, so they're certainly worse without him, but I mean, it wouldn't matter who it is. I mean, I'm, I'm done with this guy. And again, already a year and a half later, again, I mean, every single time he comes up to bat, I'm just like, this SOB. And again, just like how much I love the Blazers, and I'm going to try not to freak out on them for another half an hour right now. I'll save that for hour three. Um, again, I love the Atlanta Braves. I'm a forgiving fan. They're my, you know, one of my lifelong teams. They're one of two lifelong teams, the Blazers being the other. That's not something that you want in your fans' heads every time they come up to bat. So I'll be honest. I mean, I'm going to go in just a couple weeks. I'm going up to Seattle. I'm going to watch the Braves-Mariners uh, uh, game there. Really excited. You know, been a Braves fan 35 years. Never seen him in person. Going to catch a couple games. I'm glad that quite probably Marcelo Zuna won't be part of that lineup. Yeah. I mean, like in sports, when you're – if you're a super uh, – this is unfortunate the way it works, but it is – often what we see if you're a superstar player you know like a Deshaun Watson you know you're often kind of more um the league's more forgiving and there's teams there's teams like the Browns that are willing to take a chance on you but we've also seen athletes that aren't necessarily superstars are maybe you know towards the back end of their career not that great of players um I, I have a couple at the top of my mind 
that you know they have something that that happens and they that's kind of the last of them in the league so you know hopefully he's he's one of those cases if he's not you know a significant part of the Braves anymore and uh, obviously you know hopefully he he's one of those cases because what he's done is uh is really bad just yeah, I just think it's it's pretty douchey to pull the you know who I am card. seriously like, it's just bad like I, I I hate that look of like you know what I play professional baseball I play professional sports I'm above the law. Like, yeah, I, I just I just hate that. So the fact that they have that on tape and they have him saying that, like it, that, that's the part that just bothers me a lot. Just just call a lift, call an yeah. Uber, call a cab, just do something. You know what? You are you do play for the Braves. You might not even have to pay for that lift, yeah. but there's no excuse making you know ten million bucks a year that you can't drop twenty five bucks just to get home safely. You know he's lucky he didn't kill someone. Yeah, so many options, especially for athletes. Like they have their own services. I believe the team has services that they have people that will drive for you yeah. whenever you need them. You just got to call them, and yeah, it's just it's 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 one of those things that it's inexcusable again. Yeah. It's like the Sean Watson thing, inexcusable. This is inexcusable to be driving drunk. It is. So as a Braves fan, I'm done with Marcelo Zuna. I'm sure a bunch of Braves fans feel the same. All right, we'll go away, come back on the other side. I want to talk a little college football. we got some quarterback news. Uh, we're close enough as we count down to college football. Starting quarterbacks are starting to be named. We'll give you the latest on that. And, of course, you know the Big Ten just signed off on that huge TV rights deal. Very high-profile uh, player. He wants to uh, share in the wealth. I'll share my thoughts on that as well. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. It's the Bald-Faced Truth. Back to the Bald-Faced Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in, Peter Sampson, and for John Canzano, this is the Bald Face Truth. As we approach college football season, we're starting to hear who the starting quarterbacks are going to be for a few teams. And uh, Scott Frost announced last night who's going to start for Nebraska's season opener. Now that's against Northwestern. That's in Ireland, by the way. It's going to be Casey Thompson. Not a huge surprise there. And Thompson, you know, threw 24 touchdowns last season for the Longhorns. He's the most experienced quarterback on the roster. And reportedly, he's had the edge since he arrived for spring camp. He's accurate. Uh, His velocity's improved after he had surgery on his hand this summer. And if you remember last year, he played the last half of his season in Texas uh, with torn ligaments in that hand. So no real surprise there. And then uh, as part, this is so indicative of the quarterback carousel. So he left the Longhorns. He's starting for Nebraska. So the Longhorns named Quinn Ewers. And if you know that name, he's the heralded recruit who started his college career early at Ohio State because he wanted to capitalize on name, image, likeness opportunities. Remember, it was illegal in, in Texas, and so he went to Ohio State so he could capitalize. And then uh, he, he I think he took two snaps there, but he never threw a pass or anything like that. So now he's transferred back to his home state. He's going to start for the Longhorns. He had been competing with uh, Hudson Card, who uh, opened last season as uh, Texans or the Texas starter, but mostly played behind Thompson. 
And this is really interesting, just the sort of the uh, the merry-go-round you're seeing here with quarterbacks. And, Stephen, it's interesting. You brought up off-air while we were talking about uh, what we were going to do on the show today. I mean, it just goes to show why would you keep in like an excessive amount of depth at quarterback? Like, why would these quarterbacks stay? Because as soon as someone gets named the starter, if you have too much depth at quarterback, you're just going to peace out. And you look at Oregon as an example. Yeah, I mean, you just Quinn Ewers. Here's the thing: he went to Ohio State for one year. He made 1.4 million dollars in NIL money. It's insane. And he didn't. He didn't play. Took two snaps. Didn't two throw snaps, a pass. 1.4 million. So he takes that money. Now he's going to go to Texas. Probably get another NIL deal, getting even more money. So that goes to my fact, or goes back to the Oregon comment you just made there. If I'm Ty Thompson, if I'm Jay Butterfield, and Bo Nix is announced as starter, I was a highly recruited guy. A lot of schools are going to want me. Why would I stay at Oregon when I can go start somewhere else? Because the NCAA is letting people transfer and be eligible the very next season. Right. So you leave right after the announcement is made. You go and you get to that school. You work with your team. You work on all that kind of thing. And then you become the starter next year. And then with the NIL money coming in, depending on what school you're at, you're going to make more money. Like it, If you are a, any type of highly recruited quarterback and you're not playing to year one, I don't know why you're staying out of school. It just doesn't make sense to me that you can go there for one year. And if you're not starting that year two, you got to be gone. Like you got to bounce. There's no reason. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see when Oregon makes their announcement. And if it is Bo Nix, which I think most people think Bo Nix is going to be the starting quarterback for the Ducks, does that mean Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield or both end up transferring this season? I'm looking at Quinn Ewer's 24-7 sports profile right now. He was had a perfect score. Yeah. He was the number one overall recruit, class of 2021, and it's really rare that you're just a uh, – he has a 1.000 score. So just a uh, – Five-star out of, you know, just the ultimate five-star prospect. So Texas is definitely getting uh, a talented quarterback. He also has a good mullet. Um, but I think, you know, schools like Texas, schools like USC, schools even like Ole Miss, I think are really benefiting from the transfer portal because those schools do really well with NIL because they have a really, um, you know, passionate fan base. And they do, you know, they most of them, like USC and Texas and Miami, are in big markets and, uh, you know, Fans want to see them be relevant again, and so a lot of the most talented players are transferring there. So it's a really, for me, it it's a, leaves me with a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth knowing how how in, uh, incompetent you know programs like USC and Texas and Miami have been over the last five to ten years, and now they're going to be top twenty five teams this year, pretty much because of the new rules in college football. It feels like kind of a in. Uh, inorganic way to uh, to build a team, but it's kind of the new era of college football. It really is. And, you know, you bring up uh, Ty Thompson especially, you know, Butterfield as well. I wonder if Thompson has kind of a loose promise for next year, and I know everyone's screaming at their radio right now, uh, Dante Moore. Yeah. There's no guarantee he's ready. There's no guarantee he's not going to need one year before he hopefully comes in and dominates. That You see that all the time even with the highly touted five stars. Now, don't get me wrong. If he's truly one of these elite quarterbacks, he's going to force his way in. But I wonder if the plan, the tentative plan, which is subject to change, is no, 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 stick around. We're going to get you just a little bit more experience. We need you, you need you to back up Bo Nix. Maybe you take over midseason, late season. And if nothing else, next year you're going to have your shot while Moore's getting ready. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, let's just say both of them stayed. Right, Bo Nix is a starting quarterback. Ty Thompson at Butterfield stay. They bring in Dante Moore. At that point, they're two of those guys are gone. Like I can't imagine that right. they're going to stay another year to back up because you're never going to see the field. And that's the thing with quarterbacks. 
is every other position, the backups play. That's why they have the two deep everywhere. But at quarterback, the backup quarterback doesn't play. And if he does, it's in a blowout situation or it's because mm-hmm. of an injury, but you can't count on that. So you got to try to make the NFL by playing you know, playing the position. And at quarterback, you're not going to play if you're the backup. You're just not going to see the field. So it is a problem, and I think that these, you know, especially the highly touted guys, there's so much more skill that we see this in the NBA. Just the skill level of everybody has gone up with all the work that they do in the offseason and all of the all the stuff we know about science and all this. They're coming in more ready than usual. And so for that's why I think it's surprising Ty Thompson hasn't taken that step forward to be the starting quarterback at Oregon. I think everyone thought he's a five-star come in, he's going to be the guy, but he hasn't been that yet. And a lot of five stars seem like they're a little farther along. Yeah, I'm really going to be watching that this year to see if he does even at least get these blowout opportunities, a little bit of a late game action, maybe a game in the second half, because he he needs some reps. We all know it. Yeah, I think his development has just now started because I think Mario Cristobal and Joe Moorhead were not good at uh, developing quarterbacks. So I think he's a little bit held back than the average five-star that goes to another, other schools because I, I genuinely believe that Mario Cristobal, while he's a uh, he's a good head coach and he's, he's really good at developing other positions like the O-line, not good at developing the quarterback position. I don't know mm-hmm. who else is arguing that by now. I also think that the reason, you know, people have, asked why is Ty Thompson still at Oregon like this is going to be your number two for a heralded prospect and he's still not on the field and it doesn't look like he's going to be on the field this year I think it kind of depends on the kid I, I think you know these kids have different personalities right and Ty Thompson strikes me as someone that's just like I'm not good enough right now and he's humble and he's like I gotta you know this is the school I chose and this is the school that I want to be at versus other kids I think other quarterbacks if it doesn't go their way they're going to move right away they're you know a little bit more maybe entitled than you know so Ty Thompson strikes me as someone that just kind of accepts that he wasn't good enough yet and is ready to compete for the job same thing with Jay Butterfield because Jay Butterfield could probably go be a starter in the Mountain West and I think all 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 those kids are uh you know both those kids are uh you know, ready to compete, and uh, I think they they have been kind of promised uh, you know potential starting gig, even if it's going to be Bo Nix for Georgia. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch. By the way, speaking of Scott Frost, did you, did you see that thing that he said where he estimated there are fifteen to twenty total vomits per practice from offensive linemen under uh, the new position coach uh, Donovan Riola is his name, and he says it's not because they're not in shape; he's just working them hard. Uh, <laughs> Bragging about your vomit count is not the flex I expected to see on a Friday. Yeah, that is uh, it's a weird flex, and he said that they love it. His quote was also that the linemen love it. Mm. They, they, you know what? That, talk about talk about transfer. Uh, if I'm an offensive lineman at Nebraska, I'm vomiting better, 15 times in practice. I think I'm uh, piecing out. They better be moving bodies in the Big Ten this year if the linemen are working that hard. I think he, I think Scott Frost is feeling the feeling the fire <laughs> on his seat right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he has been for a little while too. It's just so when I saw that, I'm like, look, I understand you're you're gonna boast about you know. Uh, you know, max uh, squats and rotation strength and just sheer size, this, that, the other thing. But be like, yeah, we vomit 15 to 20 times of practice. Oh, what do you vomit? Seven? Uh, rookie numbers. You need to pump those pukes up. Unreal. Unbe- get out of here. Unbelievable. All right, we'll go away, come back on the other side. We'll wrap up hour two. Uh, the Big Ten just signed that huge TV rights deal, and uh, one of the stars in that conference maybe wants to get a little bit of that money. Willie, I'll tell you next. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
Welcome back in. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. Appreciate you hanging out with me on your Friday. Maybe you're dipping out of work just about five or ten minutes early. I salute you if that's what you're doing right now. You're my hero because that's how you do it on a summer Friday. The Big Ten just signed off on the richest TV rights deal in the history of college football, college athletics. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, he wants to share the wealth. He's, he says players should be getting a piece of the uh, reported $1.2 billion per year the Big Ten will be getting from Fox, CBS, and NBC. He told reporters, quote, I definitely think it should be shared, but if not, at the end of the day, we do have the NIL space. We can do it that way, but I definitely think it should be shared. Now, what's interesting, uh, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren He's going to be on Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel on HBO, and the teaser transcript was released. Gumbel asked him that. He asked if that was a possibility, and the direct quote is, yeah, yes. And I got that accurately. It was yeah and then yes. So it sounds like this might be a real thing, and look, we're, we are not under any illusions that this isn't essentially pro sports, or at least some version of pro sports. That line, though, will get much much lighter if the players are actually getting a piece of the TV revenue. And if you're talking numbers in the billions per year, I don't think there's really a reason why not. Maybe if you're a purist, but man, if you're a purist, I got bad news for you when it comes to college football. How do we feel about players possibly just being paid directly by the conferences? I think it might clear a lot of things up uh, when you have these questions, you know, the differences between teams, the differences between conferences. You know, if you're looking at, uh, well, I can go to USC and get this NIL money, and I can go to Oregon and get this NIL money. If I go to Oregon State, maybe it'll be less. But if it's if especially if it's a set amount per player, it might it won't eliminate that, but it might make it a little bit more of a level playing field, at least within the conference. And I, I like to think that I'm more of a purist than a lot of people for college sports. Uh, you know, as a small college athlete myself, I I love the college atmosphere. I love college sports in general, but I understand that the NIL was needed. I understand that kids, uh, especially at the Division One level in football and basketball, deserve to get some type of money. Uh, so I-, I do think it's a great idea by C.J. Stroud, and he sees the $7 billion, and he says, well, you know what? I'm a part of this. Like, why am I not getting this money? But I've always argued that a lot of it is because of the schools, and it doesn't really matter who's there. The schools, the schools are the bigger brand. There's few guys in college basketball or football that really transfer over, though, make some money. Obviously, guys like Johnny Manziel, uh, you know, the nicknames. But I go back to a guy like Zion Williamson. He was not the number one player in high school going into high school or going into college. He was about number five, number four, and that's where he was projected in the draft. He goes to Duke where he's playing on a national stage every night, and that elevated him to that level to be number one. So Duke, college does help him. And if he doesn't go to Duke, guess what? Duke's going to sell out every single game no matter what. It wasn't that they sold out because Zion was there. They're going to sell it regardless. So I do think universities have a lot of the branding and a lot of the value. But I do agree that C.J. Stroud said they're a part of it. They should earn something because, as you said, Peter, this isn't your normal college sports anymore. This is more of a professional league. So even as a purist guy, I do think that they need to try to negotiate some type of money with those TV deals because the TV deals are just so massive. Yeah, and what you're going to see if this actually happens in some form is a massive cascade effect because the other conferences are going to look at that and they're going to need to offer their athletes that if they want to contend with the Big Ten in any way.
Yeah, this is interesting. Um, I think that this is just uh, it, it's made more complicated given the fact that this media rights deal was, you know, it's it's for every sport, right? You know, there's there's basketball involved in this media rights deal. There's softball. So is C.J. Stroud saying that he should get a piece of it or that every single athlete at Ohio State should get a piece of that, that media rights deal? And I think it's more evidence. I mean, obviously, a, a bulk of the media rights money is intended for football. You know, NBC littered all that money because they want that NBC Saturday night football game. Um, so I do think that, you know, this is more evidence that it feels like college football and the rest of college sports, they, they should split up a little bit because with things like this, it just becomes way too complicated because you have to think about, you have to think about every other sport and not just football. But, uh, I, I, CJ Stroud is a huge name. He's going to make Ohio state a lot of money this year. He, he probably deserves even more money, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's made too complicated because you have to, if you're going to cater to CJ Stroud, you got to cater to every athlete. Right. I do think there is still value in going to a university. They provide you a service and a value to help you boost your stock for the future. So I do think that they deserve most of the, most of the recognition. I I wonder, and I know this discussion was even floated out a little bit. I wonder if in the future college football will even stay under the umbrella of the NCAA. I think that might be the answer. Look, the revenue goes in and it still funds the other sports, but at a certain point, they're not governed by the NCAA just because it's so powerful when it comes to the money compared to everything else. Gonna be fascinating to watch unfold. All right, hour number two in the books. We'll be back in just one minute. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. It's the Bald Face Truth. B-F-F-T From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, in for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the Bald Face Truth. Final hour of the BFT. Welcome in. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. Rolling with you on a beautiful Friday. JC will be back next week as we run into college football. Week zero, man. It is coming up so fast. I cannot wait. I mean, we're just a matter of, what, we're eight days away. Next Saturday. Now are the games primo? Maybe not. What, you're not excited for Nevada at New Mexico State? You don't want to see Western Kentucky? Nebraska Northwestern is going to be cool. That's on Fox. Idaho State at UNLV. UConn at Utah State. Wyoming at Illinois. Duquesne, Florida State. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic. Florida A&M at North Carolina. North Texas is at UTEP. And Vanderbilt at Hawaii. It doesn't matter. They could show me anybody. I am going to be watching, and I am looking forward to it. One thing I am not looking forward to is uh, Fox and the fact that Urban Meyer has rejoined Fox. The dude who gets unlimited chances will be back again. Earlier in the show, we're talking about the ridiculous stuff that gets pumped to us on TV. TV executives, I think, are maybe not so bright and I uh, base that assumption on, uh, well, frankly, what I see on television, TV. Most of it's bad. When it's good, it's good. And some of it is great, transcendent. It's true art. You watch a show like Mad Men or Breaking Bad, it's it's art. But then you watch The Masked Singer, and then you have Dog the Bounty Hunter dressed up like an armadillo. Yeah, maybe it's not art. Urban Meyer back on Fox. I don't understand why this dude keeps getting chances. Because, look... 
I uh, haven't looked at a Q score in quite a while. I haven't looked at a likability rating. You can sub- subscribe to that stuff. You can find out uh, marketability for different personalities. They measure, they quantify all of this. I can't imagine Urban Meyer's likability. It's probably not sailing off the charts right now. It's probably not soaring off the charts. It's probably not, oh my gosh, Urban Meyer, we have to get him on the screen. America is clamoring for Urban Meyer. They want Dog the Bounty Hunter, and they want Urban Meyer. Give the people what they want. Yet again, Dog the Bounty Hunter and Urban Meyer, they're both Fox. I think we're starting to narrow it down. I think we're starting to figure it out. Sean McPherson, Urban Meyer, back on the TV, yet another chance. Are you? Does this affect you? Do you care about this at all? I'm personally not looking forward to it. Not looking forward to it at all. And you know what else we were talking about earlier in the show? We were talking about people that are good at what they do, getting second chances despite some some uh, pretty bad acts in the past uh, in sports. That seems to be a, uh, a topic that we've been talking about throughout the week with people like Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, Urban Meyer back in 2018, remember what happened at Ohio State? Uh, you know, he, he basically, you know, he hid some assistant coach. Obviously, you know, there was some sexual abuse stuff going on. Urban right. Meyer knew about it. He kind of hid it under the rug so he could, could retain this coach because the coach was an important part of the program. So that happened, and he ended up, that was his downfall at Ohio State. And then, obviously, in Jacksonville, he was caught at a bar inappropriately touching a, uh, you know, someone that wasn't his wife that was much younger than him. And, you know, that was his downfall at, uh, in Jacksonville. So it's not been, to mention kicking a punter. He kicked a punter. I didn't hey, even know about. Oh that yeah. One. He kicked a punter and he said, Hey, make your kicks. Yeah. And then there's other things, you know, like he, the fact that he left Florida and he, he kind of claimed, you know, done with football, retired health issues back at Ohio state, you know, as soon as Florida was kind of, uh, on its downfall, but that's, that's less so a, uh, a bad act as some of the other stuff that he's he's had. So I I don't understand why he continues to get second chances, nor do I think he's good on air. He's a good right. coach, not a good NFL coach. He's a good college football coach, but come on. Like, like, don't you think he's kind of monotone, a little bit dry? Like, the classic meme is, like, him saying, like, keys to a successful team, and it's, like, the, the three keys, and it's just, like, that was, I think, um, surfacing a lot when it was the Jaguars and how dysfunctional they were. Um, and I don't know, like it just uh, it feels like he he just continues to poke his head around at Ohio State, continues to poke his head around in college football by, you know, staying with Fox. And he's just a guy I'm I'm not looking to see anymore. He's just uh, he's crossed the line too many times. And I don't understand why he deserves opportunities like this. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And I should correct. He didn't kick a punter. He kicked a kicker. It was Josh Lambeau during practice. He allegedly kicked it. And I'm not sure why Lambo would lie about that. And I, I think there might have even been video. But, yeah, all the other stuff. I mean, there's a reason his nickname is Pervin Liar. It's because it's just his act is gone so stale. It's an act that he never should have had to begin with. And, of course, every time the going gets tough, he's, oh, I, I, I need to step away and take care of myself. And all of a sudden, oh, another opportunity for me to start fresh. And then he burns that bridge real quick and keeps moving. So uh, Fox, while they have a lot of primo games, I'm pretty disappointed that Pervin Liar is going to be featured on my television. I don't need to see it in any way, shape, or form. I don't need to see Pervin Liar. I don't need to see Dog the Bounty Hunter and his glorious mullet dancing around and singing in an armadillo costume. 
By the way, speaking of mullets, mullets have come up like three times on the show today. And I think it's subconscious because there's the uh, the uh, USA Mullet Championships is going on right now. Sean, did you know that this is a thing? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, I mean, we all know that nothing symbolizes the spirit of America more than a mullet, right? And if you don't know what a mullet is, well, I'd be shocked. But it's, you know, business up front, party out back. Got it short in the front. It's long in the back. It's also known as hockey hair, a mud flap. There's a lot of different terms for it. You know what I'm talking about. Conjures images. You know, you're rocking out to some Leonard Skinner, maybe riding a four-wheeler, shotgun and some natty ice. So it's made apparently somewhat of a comeback in recent years, and you see celebs rocking it every once in a while. Apparently, uh, you know, hipsters in London and New York are rocking it. We've, we saw it here in Portland like 10 years ago, maybe even 15. It was, uh, you know, you have the mustache and the mullet here in Portland while you're uh, riding your fixed gear bicycle and uh, playing your synthesizer, sometimes at the same time. But in a lot of places, the mullet never really went away. And there's a whole new generation of kids that are, uh, for lack of a better term, carrying on its legacy. So right now, voting is underway for the children's division of the annual USA Mullet Championships. Now, this was set up by a Michigan men's clothing store as a marketing idea, and it's grown into a national event. So the contest describes itself as the nation's official mullet ranking authority and a powerful platform within the mullet space. Think about a marketing guy. How do we get into the mullet space? I need to get my brand in the mullet space. Now, it's not just kids. The mullet championships also include teenager, adult male, and adult female, almost or also known as femullet categories. Registrations for the adult competitions, by the way, don't close until August 31st. So if you're sitting in your car right now, driving home from work, and you're rocking some sweet hockey hair, you can feel free to sign up if you think you have what it takes. First place takes home $2,500. Second and third prize receive a Mullet Champs gift set. I have no idea what the Mullet Champs gift set would be. Is it a a Leonard Skinner 8-track and a, uh, a 22 and uh, maybe a case of Natty Ice. What, uh, Sean, what do you think the mullet gift set would be? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you nailed it. I think it's uh, it's what you'd see at a frat house. You know, it's uh, it's the Natty Lights, and it's it, yeah, probably a bunch of alcohol and uh, all sorts of those kinds of things. Maybe a jean jacket with a Black <laughs> Sabbath patch on it. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. So if you go to the website, the championship says the peak of the hairdo ended in the early 90s, but never completely faded from relevance. Instead, it slipped from the good graces of the masses and became iconic in various subcultures, country music stars, hockey players, on and on. And there's even a documentary about the mullet. Came out in 20, uh, uh, 2002. It's called American Mullet. You can watch that on Amazon Prime. I know what I'm going to watch now instead of the Manti Teo doc. Uh, the website talks about how the mullet was banned in Iran for being considered too much of a Western hairstyle. North Korea is cracking down on the mullet. And it adds, no matter what you think of it, the mullet has become enough of a staple 
of the American aesthetic. Now, have you ever? Did you ever have a mullet when you were a kid? You're young enough that it wasn't in style when you were a kid. No, my hair can't grow like that. No, nor would I want to. I mean, it'd be kind of a funny joke. I feel like you know, um, someone that doesn't take myself that seriously. Maybe I would, but no, my hair can absolutely not do that. It's good to have fun. I had, I'll be. I had a semi mullet when I was like in the fourth or fifth grade. It wasn't extreme, but you got to understand that was like 1987, 1988. It was just sort of the style of the time. But it's fun to, you know, you do something like that. I, I see you got a little facial hair. You could be like me, starting a mustache right now. You could do that, you know. Yeah, this thing's growing out, man. This it is. is. You're yeah. you're a hairy guy right now. It looks it looks like you're trimming it though. It looks pretty uh pretty clean. Yeah, on the cheeks, on the cheeks. So it grows out just a little bit too much. But uh, yeah, I'm growing this beard out. I'm a, I got a got a head full of facial hair. Right yeah, now. Kim Kim hasn't said anything yet, but I've been working on a mustache for like about it. ten days, and uh, I'm doing the uh, the Clark Gable. You know what I mean? It's got an actual term. I, I I don't remember what it's called, but kind of the pencil thin, and then you've got the little divot in the middle. It's good, man. I like it. I like it. I, I sort of need to clean it up now because it's getting long enough. i got to start trimming in with the scissors. I'm just having fun. I'll lose it in a couple weeks. It's just, you know, there's only so much you can do. It's, why not, right? Exactly. Give it a shot. You know, it's uh. I, I am showing my face in public a lot, you know, and I I don't know. Uh, I'm just kind of giving it That looks it good on you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like eventually it's gonna it's gonna get a little bit extreme. It's gonna it's gonna be a little much, but I'm not there yet. It's not itching and it's not uh I, I don't think it looks bad when I look in the mirror. You know, feel free. Feel free. If it does look bad, I walk in one day and you're like, ooh. I'll give you a heads up. You do. you know it won't be personal. I'll truly oh, if if not. you're requesting it, I'll let you know. But so far, yeah, it looks nice and clean, appreciate man. You that. can draw I can't grow the full beard. I mean it's it, it's it's not that I have blank spots. It's just right here between my chin and my cheek. It's just a little patchy, so I look like a teenager when I do it. And besides, man, I'm starting to get those gray hairs in the beard. I've got a little bit of the uh, the chin-only goat going right now, too, and I, I see more and more gray every single time. Yeah, I, I can't grow the stash as well as I can grow the beard. Oh, Kim's, I wish, I w- <laughs> Kim's listening. She just texted me and said, mustache, huh? What? Oh, come on, Kim. You haven't noticed that, that I haven't shaved my lip in like two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I wish uh, this wasn't a ra- This is an inconvenient time to be on a radio show talking about each other. So no one knows what we look like. So. I know, here, may- maybe here, let's each we'll take a take a selfie and throw it on Twitter during the break. I'll I'll do I'll do the same as well, and uh, so people can get an idea of what we're talking about on Twitter at Peter Sampson. What's your Twitter handle? At Sean Mac underscore nineteen. Sean Mac underscore nineteen. Rocking the facial hair. I don't know. I don't know if I'll keep it. Don't know if I'll lose it. But the thing is, you just got to have some fun. I'll tell you when we had quarantine, man. I did everything. I grew out a little bit of the full beard, and then I did the Clark Gable mustache, and then I did like. The full goatee, like mustache down, and then I chopped the chin part off, and I had that kind of that Fu Manchu going down, that but that kind of like uh, country style where it just runs like the handlebars that run all the way down to the chin. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. But I was, I'm not leaving this room. I'm not leaving my house. We're all locked in. It's one of the few ways I can entertain myself even. Yeah. No, it's like sometimes when you're kind of bored in life, like you, there's not a ton going on. And it's just kind of fun to 
grow a beard, grow your hair out, and just kind of check up on it every day. I don't know, kind of an underrated thing to kind of do when you're, like like you said, during COVID, a really boring and dark time where there's not much to look forward to. Let me grow a beard. Let me do something I haven't done before. Maybe you should grow a mullet and participate in next year's championships, I, man. can't grow like that. You, you, all you got to do is just not cut the hair in the back and let it get long. Yeah. Yeah, does it not, does it, like, what does it do? Does it frizz uh, or something? Can anyone grow a mullet? Yeah. Yeah, all you do is you just keep it normal in the front, and you just never cut it right here in this back part, and you just get it longer and longer and longer, and uh, you could do it. Yeah, you know, I could do it. Not but saying at the you should. Day, but... Yeah, I'm a single guy. And, uh... <laughs> You're not going to get any chicks with a mullet, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if that part is, is important to me, then, yeah, probably not the best idea. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe if, if you're taking a trip to the uh, Deep South anytime in the next year or two, you're going to want to plan a few months ahead of time and just grow that hockey hair out. Grow that mud flap out and go down pull some chicks at the the bar down in Kentucky. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll go away, come back. More sports talk ahead on the other side. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano, 750, or excuse me, the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750, the game. Welcome back in. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. Appreciate you rolling with me. If you're in the Portland area, stick around at 6 o'clock. I will bring you the Pulse. It's a Friday edition. Actually, I, w- I want to invite this uh, to everyone statewide, even if you can't listen to the show. On Fridays at 6 o'clock, I do a thing uh, called What's in Your Glass? And, uh, you know, because if you can't have an adult beverage Friday at 6 o'clock, most people are about to get home or are home and we're starting the weekend. If you can't have an adult beverage Friday at 6 o'clock, when can you? And so I share what I'm drinking at 6 o'clock. I always pop a beverage in here, talk about it. And it's awesome because I get pictures from all over the place on Twitter at Peter Sampson. People send me their shots of what they're enjoying as we roll into the weekend. And it's everything from bush light to fancy scotch to wine to cider to a million different beers sometimes if someone's you know out on the grill they'll give me a shot of that i've seen some real nice cigars with it and it's cool it's just a fun thing we do so i invite you even if you're in eugene roseburg klamath falls even if you don't get the show man send me what's in your glass let me know what you're drinking how you rolling into the weekend because we can't do it on a Monday. I mean, I guess you could, but it's a lot tougher. But if you can't do it as you have kick-started your weekend, you're off work, when can you? So send that to Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N, on Twitter. And um, I just enjoy seeing it. Man, it's cool. It's awesome. I love it. All right. It is Friday. It's the 5 o'clock hour. That means it's time for me to tell you what's on tap. Now. It's time for What's on Tap and What's on TV at the Independent on the BFT. That's right. There's a lot of sports going on this weekend. What I'm excited for, national uh, televised baseball tomorrow. Braves hosting the Astros. That's going to be Saturday at 4 o'clock on Fox. It's a big series. The Braves, after cooling off against the Mets, they just took three of four from the Mets in a series that ended yesterday. They're right on their heels. Of course, the Astros still strong. Uh, game one of that series right now is in the top of the fourth. I've got it on my tablet. Braves lead three to nothing, so that's going to be a huge game. Of course, 
A little preseason football. It's not always great, but I'm looking forward to Broncos at Bills. That's also Saturday, 10 a.m. on the NFL Network. Obviously, we're only going to see the starters for a limited amount of time. Even if we just get uh, Josh Allen and Russell Wilson for one series, I want to see that. I want to see how Wilson looks. I want to see what receivers he has left after some of the injury issues. And, of course, the Bills are the the money favorite in Vegas to uh, win the Super Bowl. It doesn't always work out that way, but the Bills, so close last year, arguably had the better team. Of course, we had that famous battle, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes going back and forth. And if the rules were different, I feel like they might still be going back and forth in overtime number 1100. So I'm looking forward to that. Sean McPherson, what's on tap for you? Yeah, let's start with the Portland Timbers. They are going to be in action on Sunday uh, around 4, 4.30 unofficial kickoff. It's it's going to kick off at 4.55 officially. Um, they're going to be taking on Sporting Kansas City, one of the weaker teams in the Eastern Conference. And look, the Portland Timbers, they have less than 10 games left to go in their season. And they, uh, they're they in a tight playoff race, Peter. They are currently ninth in the Western Conference. And the top seven teams make the playoffs in each conference. And uh, they're tied, actually, for seventh. They have 33 points. Um, and as does Vancouver, who currently holds the uh, seventh spot. And the difference between the fourth-place team and the Timbers at nine is just five points. So every game is crucial. The Timbers have been struggling to pick up three points. They've been getting a lot of ties lately. Um, so that's going to be a game to watch. You can listen to that on 7.50 the game, uh, pregame show starting at 3.30 on Sunday. The other thing I'm looking forward to watching this weekend is the uh, the Pro-Am event in Seattle on Saturday. Yeah. We'll be able to watch it. Um, on NBA.com, the NBA app. LeBron James will be participating uh, as well as a couple of other NBA stars in Jamal Crawford's, it's called the Crossover Pro-Am <laughs> League on Saturday. So basically the Drew League, um, just some pickup basketball. But man, when you get to watch guys like LeBron James, DeJounte Murray, and then exciting rookies like Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro play in a setting where it's a little bit more low-key, the players aren't as good, you just get to see how truly dominant they are at their sport when it's you know it's less competitive and it's, it's more casual. Casual. So um, anytime you get to watch someone like LeBron James play in the offseason, you know he's going to bring some thunder down in Seattle. And you there's a way to ac- access it uh, through the NBA app, NBA.com. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah, that's going to be great. And if, so the Timbers match, Broncos at Bills, Braves, Astros. Of course, you can find all of that at the Independent Sports Bar. It's downtown Portland's best sports bar. Uh, their sister uh, location, the Satellite Tavern as well. I want to shout them out. Uh, I remember uh, Ducks, Beavers, uh, back when it was called the Civil War, uh, Judy Newby and I each did a, we hosted a watch party. He did the Ducks watch party at the Independent. I did the Beavers watch party out at the Satellite Tavern. I had fun. I had a lot of fun. The, I think the Beavers watch party was better. I mean, the Ducks, they, they handled Oregon State, but... It was just a little more punk rock. You know what I mean? It it just had a certain vibe. I loved it. So I've been to the Independent. I enjoy it. I've been to the Satellite Tavern. I enjoy that as well. One other thing, I didn't mention this, but uh, something else I'm going to be watching uh, tonight, we'll call that the weekend, is uh, Angel superstar Mike Trout is making his return to the lineup tonight after being out for more than a month. He's been out since July 12th with a back injury. He told reporters everything feels great. He's going to be a full go. He's hitting 270, 24 homers, 51 ribbies in 79 games this season. 
but obviously he's got that kind of uncommon. It's being called an uncommon back injury. And uh, it's one of those things where apparently it's not a huge deal. Everyone kind of freaked out. And, of course, I had horrible memories of Don Mattingly back in the late 80s. If you only know Don Mattingly as a manager, he was the best hitter in baseball once upon a time from eh, 1984 to 1987. And then he hurt his back in 1988 and was never the same. And it would be a shame if Mike Trout was never going to be the same. He's tried to put the kibosh on that. I believe him. You know, I feel like he would be honest if he said, look, man, we're going to see how it goes, how it feels, and I'm going to have to work hard to manage it. And he does say, look, I'm just going to have to do a little bit of extra stretching work, a little particular more focused strength training on that area of the back. Everything's going to be totally fine. So I believe him, but I'm going to be seeing how Mike Trout looks in his return uh, to Major League Baseball because it would be a shame to have a hitter like this and uh, potentially lose him. Again, shades of Don Mattingly. When I was a kid first learning the game, I was no Yankees fan. But Don Mattingly, whew, that guy was it in the mid-'80s. Man, he was so good. And then he just had it robbed, and it would be a shame to see that uh, happen to Mike Trout. Of course, I mean, this leads me to the inevitable. Should the Angels think about trading Trout, assuming he's healthy, or Shohei Otani to rebuild. I mean, you look at that team. It's really the only reason to watch the Angels is those two guys. And you look at the standings. And, uh, yeah, they had a hot run at one point. But they also lost like 15 straight. I mean, they're second last in the American League West. They're 51-67. and 67. They're 25 games out. And that's having, arguably, the two most valuable players in Major League Baseball. They just can't get it done. And, I mean, at a certain point, you have to win. And I wonder if they need to move on from these guys. I kind of lean towards you have to because we all want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. And I think more so to the really casual baseball fan, we want to see Shohei Otani in the playoffs. Like Sean McPherson, I know you're a, a tangential baseball fan at best. As in, you got to be aware of what's going on because it's your job. I know you're not a huge baseball guy, which is uh, exactly the case for pretty much everyone your age. But if Shohei Otani is pitching and batting, say, in a Game 7 in in a championship series of the World Series, you're probably going to be plugged into that. Oh, absolutely. I'm plugged into the playoffs in the World Series for the most part. Definitely the World Series. Like, that will be a uh, scheduled viewing for me when that rolls around in October, but not plugged into the regular season at all. Um, just kind of loosely follow. And I feel like I'm losing some credibility here as a sports radio analyst, uh, just talking about how I don't follow baseball that much. Okay. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, if Portland has a team, you got to right. follow them, but oh, yeah, course. no, it's all good. Of course. But yeah, I mean, you, guys like Shohei Otani are super important for baseball. It's, it's kind of similar to guys like Stephen Curry, LeBron James, that, Bring in the casual viewer when it's time for the playoffs. So, you know, like people that aren't baseball fans would tune into a baseball game to watch a guy like Shohei Otani. And so you want that player to be around in October. And it doesn't seem like it's happening with the Angels right now. And to the point, we've talked about this before on air, Peter, recently. Mike Trout, I don't think, is a great asset right now. I'm not sure if he would – would he pass a physical if he got – That's the thing. He has to come back and show he's healthy. Right. He has to – so his stock is low right now. Shohei Otani would be – I mean – considering how much Juan Soto just netted on the trade market, I mean, they could – they would uh, get a king's ransom for Shohei Otani. 
So I'm not sure it's the time right now. I think Mike Trout has to improve his stock. But if, if Mike Trout comes back and he's not the same player, then I think you trade Otani regardless because suddenly you don't have the Trout you know, asset, and he's not going to be contributing as as well anymore. And then you have Otani, uh, and I think you got to trade him while he's still young and in his prime. So I do think that this hopefully Otani gets on a new team soon. Doesn't seem like it's happening in Anaheim. Yeah, we'll see. And of course, the trade deadline passed, so they can't make a move here. So you have the rest of August. You got two weeks left in August. You have all of September, and I think the season goes in like three days into October. So you should have a good amount of time. And I mean, the Angels still have fifty games left, uh, 45 games left to uh, demonstrate or test out Mike Trout's back, see how he is. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a major shakeup in Los Angeles and you say, how can you trade such marketable stars? And I mean, I get it with Otani. He's marketable or they're both marketable, but Otani's actually been marketed. He's, you know, on the cover of MLB, the show 2022, and you see his face in commercials, Mike Trout, they haven't done anything with that guy. That guy is Willie Mays, and they haven't done He could walk down the street, and most people wouldn't even recognize him. It seems like in baseball it's better to have a team full of dudes, depth, and you know being good at every single position rather than it feels like from the outside looking in that the Angels, they have Otani and they have Trout. And how many other quality players are on the Angels? Not many. Not many. So, I don't know. Like, it does feel like the Angels would be better off trading those guys. Hopefully, Trout is a uh, good enough asset to, to net you something. Otani definitely is. And just kind of collecting a bunch and, you know, building a complete team. Because having two superstars, it might work in the NBA. It does not work in the MLB. No. No, it, it doesn't. Because any individual player, you're limited in how much impact you, you can have. I mean, they do have Anthony Rendon who is, uh, I would say he's a star, but he's he's not a star star. You know what I mean? So he's a great player. He's, he's also out for the year. He broke his wrist and had to have surgery there. But even then, I mean, Rendon's also been healthy, and they weren't able to get it done. They, they need pitching. I know they acquired Syndergaard. That didn't work. They sent him to Philly. But they just have too many holes to plug. And frankly, shame on them for not taking advantage of these two guys. It, it, you, it's like having Ruth and Gehrig, man. It really is. And I literally mean with Ruth because Ruth also pitched until 1920. It's just such a waste to have a guy that can help you. You know, he can hit 40 bombs, drive in 110 runs, you know, swipe a few bags. And, oh, by the way, he'll go out every fifth day and pitch seven uh, shutout innings with 10 strikeouts. We haven't seen anything like that in 100 years, literally, and it's being wasted. All right, we'll go away, come back on the other side. More sports talk ahead. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Troth on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. So just like, oh, welcome back to the program. Peter Sampson and for Consano. It's the bald-faced truth. My show, The Pulse, is up next here in Portland. So just like earlier in the week was National Tell-A-Joke Day, and I uh, riveted everyone with my uh, joke about the wasp. 
find that if you missed that. I'm not going to do it again because for one thing, it's like a 15 minute long joke. No exaggeration. Sean was I told it for what about 15 minutes? Yeah, I mean it could have been one minute. It could have been three minutes, but you told it for 15. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, today is National Soft Ice Cream Day. It's not National Ice Cream Day. It's National Soft Ice Cream Day, like soft serve day. Now, look, I'm not a big sweets guy, but I'm going to be honest. Ice cream is my weakness, specifically high-quality strawberry ice cream. If you put it in front of me, I will eat it. And it doesn't matter how much you put in front of me, and it doesn't matter how full I am before you put it in front of me. I cannot help myself, especially if you mix in a few fresh strawberries with it. But I'm talking the high-quality, you know, the ice cream that has like five ingredients. Milk, cream, sugar, vanilla extract, strawberry. That's all I need. Egg yolk, I guess, too. That's all I need. So it's soft ice cream day, soft serve. And how did this happen? So apparently in 1934, on Memorial Day, in a uh, somewhere in New York, this dude named Tom Carvel had a flat tire, and he was driving an ice cream truck. And uh, so he got a flat tire. He pulls into a parking lot, and he knew that his product was melting. Vacationers are driving by. And so as it's melting, it softens. So he sold the softened ice cream. Surprisingly, they love it all. And a new business model has started. And I'm not going to get into the debate over soft ice cream, soft serve versus hard, even though I will get honest or uh, be honest. I like to get down at DQ, especially as a kid, get a chocolate dip cherry cone, that soft serve. That's what's up. Cherry ice cream with the chocolate or chocolate ice cream with the cherry dip. That's uh, a big uh, treat of mine from my childhood. But uh, there's something about the ice cream truck. You know, my kid is of the age. He recognizes the jingle. He'll hear it coming through the neighborhood. Ding, 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 ding. <gasps> Dad's the ice cream truck. And it's so tough, man, because I remember when that happened when I was a kid. And my parents saying no. It's like, why are you saying no? Why are you doing this to me? And I say no. But every once in a while, there's a yes, you know, and with his mom or something, or even with me, you go out and you get the ice cream. And that's such a great memory. You don't see him as much anymore. Sean, did you grow up? Did you have an ice cream truck come through your neighborhood in the summer? Yeah, it was always so crazy. I would just be sitting in my house as like an eight-year-old or nine-year-old. I think that was around the age where I was super into ice cream trucks. And then you hear that ring and just you stop whatever you're doing. You you start sprinting around the house. You look for mom and dad's wallet. And, <laughs> you know, and you, you, just, uh, you just start sprinting towards that thing. And it was always disappointing when you couldn't quite spot it or it got away but what was your favorite i, I always enjoyed the spongebob with the uh the gum gumballs as uh as the eyes and nose i always enjoyed that one yeah man anything with waffle cone was what i got down with you know towards the back when the choco taco oh. was king i loved the choco taco of course klondike has discontinued that because they're stupid uh, I know that Salt and Straw was working on a uh, their own version of a Choco Taco, which, by the way, I was at Salt and Straw a week and a half ago. Uh, first of all, it was a miracle. I walked right in. There was no line. It was shocking. First time that's ever happened to me. And I got it. It was uh, um, uh, fennel and uh, maple. And it was crystallized bits of maple syrup. And it was it was fennel, like the vegetable, the whole thing pureed up and if you don't know what fennel tastes like it's kind of like a black licorice uh flavored root vegetable oh my gosh it was amazing it was so good 
they're building a salt and straw in by my apartment in Beaverton. So they're, you know, they're, I know right now they're in Lake Oswego. They're in Portland. Southeast, yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, they're coming to uh, Cedar Hills yeah, area. They're in, all over the place now. They're expanding like crazy. I, th- I saw that there's like three in Miami now or something like that. Look, there's, there's going to be a line. But as opposed to, say, Voodoo Donuts, where it's not worth the line, in my opinion, uh, Salt and Straw is spectacular. I had a, they have it, and it's weird flavors. You can get some pretty conventional stuff there, but if you see something bizarre, don't get turned off by it. It's, it's, it's truly amazingly handcrafted. The flavors are so like, I had a blue cheese pear ice cream that was spectacular. I'm not gonna lie, that I had gross. It, it, it was, it was amazing. I had a uh, okay strawberry ice cream, but with a black pepper and balsamic, a balsamic reduction was really good it was a sweet and sour blend with just a hit of the black pepper in the back so worth it so once that thing is built if you've never been man you gotta hit it up you can't go wrong i've been the last time i went it was um they did like they do flavors of the month or like theme yes of the month, yes and it was uh like berry you know okay. so like strawberry blueberry blackberry and i had like a berry crumbler mm ice cream is unbelievable yeah so good yeah i mean uh i think salt and straw is one of those places that just has the marketing down like in and out uh salt and straw it's just like wherever they build a location if they can mark if they can get that location down there are going to be people there 24 7 it is going literally because they do such a good job with the marketing and just the word of mouth and well it's just the quality too like even if there's a flavor like for example you're like i'm not gonna eat blue cheese ice cream i mean that's fair but like you know as long as if it's something like, hey, I like that flavor, you know it's going to be such high quality. Of course, you can go in and sample things, too. You don't have to commit. You can be like, blue cheese pear sounds disgusting. You can get a tiny little taste to say, oh, actually, I enjoy this. Or, yeah, my instincts were right. That's terrible. I'm glad I didn't just spend 7 bucks on a double scoop. What I'm trying to say is that that In-N-Out in Kaiser, every time <laughs> I drive by there, it could be Line. 8 a.m., it could be 11 p.m., it is always just laps of cars around that that in and out and it's just in and out's just got the word of mouth down like everyone knows in and out i i think it's a little bit overrated and i think there's better burger joints but in and out is just such a classic brand i think salt and straw has that going for them too they do it's it's that same kind of where you know they're not pumping commercials down your throat or anything but they've established that word of mouth i agree in and out is both overrated and fantastic i love in and out but also it's not like this holy grail, you know, like I, I'll get down with some smash burger. I'll get down with some killer burger. I mean, hell, I, I really like five guys. Yeah, it's, it's so expensive. I know. Yeah. Some of them are adding, I guess, a, a, a drive through to make it a little more convenient so you don't have to go in. But yeah, the first time I had five guys, you know, I got, you know, a double patty, picked all the works I wanted, got bacon on it. And it dawned on me. I was like, this is such a good burger. It's actually better without bacon. Like, that's kind of a revelation because, I mean, bacon's great on everything. No, 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 not the five guys. But you're right, it's spendy. What's really come down, I hate to say it because I love the company, but, man, uh, Burgerville, not what it used to be. Burgerville, uh, you know, 20 years ago was spectacular, and it's gotten so expensive, and I haven't had a great, great burger there in a long time. And I still like their seasonal stuff. You know, you get the like the fried uh, um, the the fried asparagus or the rosemary fries and the onions onion rings that they do. It's it's cool that they bring that out. But uh, lately, I've been staying away from Burgerville. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, Burgerville. It strikes me like there's a new age of fast food where like all the places we've been naming are kind of more like high quality fast food, not necessarily the drive through super cheap burger. 
Um, you know, like Five Guys is more expensive, but you're going to get really quality food there. I think Burgerville, the way the marketing, it's kind of gone the other way where they're kind of now clustered, in my opinion at least, with McDonald's and Burger King. Yeah. They're kind of... Which is crazy. Yeah, because I think Burgerville is a a little bit higher quality, but I do think that right now they're kind of clustered in that that fast food uh, tier and not clustered with like the killer burger five guys and like the high quality mm-hmm. um and I, I actually worked at five guys one summer oh did you three or four months just a, a high school how game. many of those free peanuts did you eat oh my goodness um yeah i uh so i actually i knew how bad the food was um for me so i i abstained for the most part of of eating the food during the break but i just i would just snack on peanuts because you know <laughs> that's something that i could eat and uh yeah like speaking of the price i was my job was the cashier like i was i was taking people's orders and so many times I would take people's orders and I'd be like, all right, $15. And they're like, wait, what? Like, you know, like yeah. I always feel kind of bad because like it's just so spendy there and it catches people off guard. It does. Man, I enjoy some five guys. When I lived in Milwaukee, uh, there's a five guys there on um, on the, the main strip there on McLaughlin. And man, it was a walking distance. It was a block and a half away. And I hit that place a lot. I got a shout out Super Deluxe too. There's two in Portland. There's one on uh, in the Pearl on Northwest 13th, and then there's the one I think it's uh, it's like 49th and Powell, 50th and Powell. Don't have it often. I don't have any fast food often. Like I, I go literally months between fast food visits. But uh, we were in a hurry running errands, and oh man, it's late. Got off. We're like, what are we gonna do? Don't really have time to cook. And it's like, well, I mean, we could like go to chipotle or something it's like dude let's go to super deluxe they make an excellent burger fantastic fries too piping hot perfectly crisp not overdone right level of salt if you've never been to super deluxe highly recommend i've never been i've never been i'm not even i'm not gonna lie i haven't really heard of super deluxe that it's much. not a huge thing no very very good i recommend that of course yeah there's always a killer burger of course our guy Lamichael james yeah i visited that one's right by my house yeah yeah so or my apartment so yeah i didn't see Lamichael when i went to that one but killer burger is really good um yeah there's just there's a lot of good places right now they're like there's more chick-fil-a's in oregon now i think that one is another brand that just has the marketing down there's always going to be a big line at chick-fil-a um and speaking of five guys one little tip one little secret tip if you don't know about this as a former employee of, of five guys yeah man, please don't get the regular fries get the cajun fries if you're into spice yes if you're a non-spicy guy ignore me right now but if you're into cajun fr- if you're into like kind of a, a little bit of seasoning and a little bit of spice Secret menu item. They don't have it on the menu, but ask for Cajun fries, and it's they're they're a lot better than the normal fries. Man, speaking of spice, we got takeout Chinese last night because uh, you know we were both getting home kind of late, and uh, so Kim's just says, "How about the Chinese joint on the on the corner?" Ho ho, and it's your typical Cantonese, a little bit of Szechuan. It's like a, your typical takeout Chinese joint. It's pretty good, and I look at the menu. And I go, man, yeah, Vietnamese uh, sa- uh, sweet and sour fish soup. That's what I want. And uh, so, okay, get that. Get a side of barbecue pork, you know, with that spicy mustard. But I go in, we get it. And uh, I'm putting it together. Getting out, okay, here's your uh, here's your spring roll. Here's your chicken broccoli. Here's my broth. Here's my, you know, my fish and the veggies. And then, so, okay, this is the mustard. And what's this dipping sauce? I see it's got a jalapeno in it. And I take a taste of it, and it was, you know, it's a spicy, hot, hot and sour. And, man, that was, like, concentrated evil. It was so I, – I don't think I've ever had anything that hot because, I, again, I thought it was, like, a dipping sauce. 
you know, just like, oh, like a peanut sauce or something like that. It was like the spiciest fish sauce I've ever tasted in my life. It like, it was this little container and they gave me probably like, we got a large, which accidentally ended up being two servings. I still have the other half at home. It's like they give you an ounce for like 64 ounces of broth and I straight up drank some of it. It was miserable. The actual soup though was fantastic. They did a great job. Oh, uh, right on Powell and uh, Cesar Chavez there. But man, I uh, I paid the price for not going light. That's kind of anytime you're 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 going to a Chinese restaurant. If you don't know what it is, you should start really small. Because man, it was nuclear. <laughs> All right, we'll go away. Come back. Wrap up shop on the other side. Peter Sampson in for Kanzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on your Friday. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Final segment of the show, final segment of the week. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. It's been a great week. We've had a ton to talk about. Of course, here in Portland, I'm going to start the pulse from 6 to 7 in just a few minutes. It's a Friday show. That means I'm going to ask, what is in your glass? Because if you can't have an adult beverage on a Friday at 6, when can you? I'm looking at my Twitter feed on Twitter at Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. I've already got one, two, three pictures in so far showing me uh, what is in your glass across the city and across the state. If you want to share, how are you rolling into the weekend? How are you celebrating? Uh, Send me a picture what's in your glass to Peter Sampson on Twitter. Of course, I'll share what's in my glass. Got a little something special planned for today. And uh, I will talk about that at 6 p.m. I'm also, of course, going to talk about the uh, the Trailblazers nonsense that uh, last I checked, they haven't backtracked on yet. They're not going to send their broadcast team on the road. They are only going to send a single camera, reportedly, on remote broadcasts, on road broadcasts. That means you get one angle. The broadcasters presumably only get one angle. And it's just so frustrating. I don't have time to rant again. I started the show ranting for about 33 minutes about the nonsense that that is. And why would you put your very wonderful professional broadcast team, the uh, majority of which I know personally, why would you put them in that situation? Because the whole thing is you obtain talent and you just put it in a position to succeed, and then you just uh, sit back and uh, let them succeed and let the money roll in. Of course, the Trailblazers, as a joke poverty franchise of late, and bear in mind, I love this team. I'm not hot-taking right now. That's not my style. I'm a lifelong Trailblazers fan. I grew up in here. I'm not some guy that came from the East Coast because this is where my next job was, and I immediately go, how do I get listeners? Oh, I just fire off hot takes about the local team. It's not what I'm doing. I love this team. I want to love this team. But uh, ownership, Burt Cold, needs to get the hell out of the way. I have a feeling Burt Cold is just happy people are talking about him. Congratulations, you were Paul Allen's roommate. Good work, buddy. You're special. So they make this decision so they can save a couple bucks, and they will save a couple bucks, but at what cost? You know who I feel for is Avaca TV. 
that new digital uh, over-the-air antenna that just announced that deal, and it's being promoted heavily. They've been pimping online about how you can get Root Sports, and it's so much more affordable, 25 bucks a month instead of having to get cable or Fubo. And then immediately the Blazers turn around and say, yeah, but half the broadcast is uh, not going to be as good as the other half. I'm going to talk about that more on the other side here in Portland. If you're in Eugene, Klamath Falls, or Roseburg, I appreciate you listening. Enjoy the rest of your day and your week. Peter Sampson, this has been The Bald Face Truth.